<laughs> All right. Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies. I'm your host, Ronaldo, and next to me, as always, is <laughs> Birdo. Yes. And this is our second bonus episode. We did Man of Steel with our guest, Chris, from Assembly Required Podcast. Check that one out. We are doing these bonuses leading up to the Snyder Cut, which comes out March 18th. We're super stoked about it. We're going to also be doing the Justice League movie. Uh, which means for this bonus episode, Berto, what movie are we doing? Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Justice. I was like, I don't know if you remember the uh, <laughs> subtitle. It's it's kind of a long title for a movie. Yeah, I think it only really serves one purpose, and is to tell people who haven't seen the movie yet, this is a like a precursor to a Justice League. Yeah. Because also remember, this movie came out... This movie was announced at a Comic-Con the year after uh, Man of Steel was in theaters. Actually, I think it was the same year. I think it was like a, a few months afterwards. What was that, you like know, 2013? Something like that. Yeah. And they're like, all right, guys, we've got the next big project, sequel to Man of Steel. And they show the big Superman logo. And people are like, yeah. And then the logo widens. And it's got the Batman logo behind it. And people lost their shit. <laughs> As you would imagine, like this is the two biggest characters in comic books, period. Right? Yeah. And they're finally going to be together in a movie. It's been teased before. Uh, there was other plans to do a movie like this. Those got canceled. So <laughs> when they announced that, it was, I mean, I remember that Comic-Con. People were like shitting themselves. And then underneath it said, Dawn of Justice. And so the having that justice word was like it was for the fanboys yeah and and that's just like the moment where nick fury walks in at the end of iron man he's like i want to talk to you about the avengers initiative so that people can go he said avengers they're doing avengers (laughs) that was just a moment for them to go oh my god we're getting justice league right and we all know how that turned out yeah so uh (laughs) we talked about it when we talked about the man of steel but the reason we're here is because of the Snyder Cut of Justice League that's coming out. But if you live under a rock, and honestly, like, you don't have to live under a rock. Like, if I call my mom right now and ask her, like, hey, do you know what Snyder Cut is? She's not going to know. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, again, to recap, when we talked about Man of Steel, that was the first movie in this DC universe uh, about Superman. The sequel of which is this one, Batman vs. Superman. Uh, which teased a Justice League movie. By the time that Justice League movie gets into production, I don't know if you know this or if you remember, BVS, this movie came out in March of 2016. And Justice League was set to release for November of the following year. That's too quick. It's very soon. Yeah, it was only uh, a year and a half turnaround. So that movie, Justice League was already written, ready to go. It was in pre-production. They had started filming around the time Batman vs. Superman was coming out in theaters. Okay. So by the time the mixed reception to this movie is becoming like well-known, that movie is already filming Justice League. So the DC executives are getting a little bit more involved. Uh, we're going to yeah. talk about them. It's Walter Hamada, John Berg, Jeff Johns. They start getting a little bit more involved and slowly start kind of pulling the movie away from Zack Snyder. They hire, what's his face? Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, yes, thank you. To do a couple things here and there, kind of uh, help out. But then tragedy strikes. Zack Snyder's oldest daughter commits suicide. And instead of delaying the movie, the Snyders, because his wife is a producer on, on this film, 
they just say, oh, well, well, we'll come back to work. It doesn't slow down DC at all from kind of trying to get them to change the movie here, make it a little bit lighter, make it funnier, quote unquote. Yeah. Jeff Johns was writing pages on the spot for that they then had to shoot. And oh, that's never a good idea. No, no, no. And then Zack Snyder says that he basically at that point just kind of lost the will to fight for it anymore. And then yeah, so that's when it wasn't out. his movie anymore. Yeah. Implying that he would have fought for it earlier, but at that point it was it was kind of beyond that. So they just replace him with Joss Whedon. Then they go into reshoots. They rewrite most of the movie. They reshoot a completely different movie. They wanted it two hours long when they had originally agreed to let him do whatever he wanted. And he was going to make this four hour long epic. <laughs> um, so you can't exactly like convert a four hour movie to a two hour movie. That doesn't really work. It's probably no. not going to make any sense. And we get a taste of that happening in this movie. Yeah. Same thing happened. But yeah, it's like imagine reading Lord of the Rings and just someone goes, just read every other page. We'll get through it half as fast. (laughs) Like, that's what that feels like. You know what I mean? So the movie we got in Justice League uh, was very different than what Zack Snyder had planned in every way. Right. And then this whole viral campaign happens. Hashtag release the Snyder cut, which got so much traction that when COVID hits and WB has nothing to put out, movie theaters are closed. (laughs) They're like, okay, what now? What do we do? There was so much attention for this that they finally kind of gave in. I think AT&T kind of pushed for this to happen, too. Well, that's the thing. It's a confluence of different factors, right? There's COVID. Movie theaters are shut yeah. down. Um, meanwhile, AT&T, parent company to Warner Brothers and DC, and HBO are trying to launch HBO Max, the competitor to Disney+, Plus, where it has all of their stuff, which we've already said it doesn't. It, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. But it's supposed to have... All of DC stuff, all of Warner Brothers, all of HBO, all of Time Warner in general, you know, Turner Classic Movies, that Studio stuff I do Ghibli, like, on there. like a bunch of shit. And they're promoting it around the same time. They need a big tent pole to push this forward now that movies aren't coming out. It was just kind of a perfect storm. Without any of these things happening, we would have never seen this this upcoming Snyder Cut, <laughs> right? So, so let's get into Batman versus Superman. To your point... Uh, We are watching the extended cut of this movie. It's called The Ultimate Edition or The Ultimate Cut, which is a three-hour-long film. It is not the same one that was released in theaters, which is a a two-and-a-half-hour-long film. So this has 30 extra minutes. Mostly like... Very important context. Necessary context to a lot of film. Yeah, so apparently same thing happened where they told him, hey, by the way, it needs to be two-and-a-half hours. Like, late in the process. And they're like, okay, so we have to figure out how to cut this movie down half an hour. It was, you know, it probably wasn't three hours long. It was probably like 245 or something like that. I wouldn't imagine that they were going to put out a three-hour movie in theaters anyway. But they had to figure out how to cut out all this stuff right before they go yeah. to theaters, you know? And so the result is that they cut out a bunch of like contextual exposition, essentially. Right, which um, I guess like from their point of view, they're like, eh, who needs this? It's just like fluff, but it makes a huge difference when you're watching yeah. the movie. The theatrical cut is riddled with plot holes. I hated the theatrical yeah. cut. And plot holes because of they cut the things that explain the parts that you need to know for the entire movie to make sense. <laughs> so if you haven't seen this movie, you want to watch long, watch the extended cut. It's called the Ultimate Edition or Ultimate Cut. It is three hours long. Sure, I know that's long. It's a long time. 
but it's kind of the only way you can watch this movie and do it any justice, right? I, I will stand by what I said a long time ago. The theatrical version is unwatchable. It's it's really not worth it. Again, you're not going to have a good time with it. This movie is currently not available anywhere, even though it should be on HBO Max. Yeah, you would think. Look, it was on there the other day, like at the end of January. I think it was on there. Check on it next month. It might be back. <laughs> Hopefully pretty soon all of these movies are on HBO Max permanently. If you're listening but. to this a year from now, hey, it's on HBO Max. Hey, it's Barry Allen from the future. Like that movie we just watched. Just coming back in time to say this movie, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, the ultimate edition is available on HBO Max. I'm an idiot. But in fairness, it's not in the main page. It's not even in the DC section. You can look around. They have everything there except for Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. You have to actually type in Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman in order to find these movies. But they are on HBO Max. And also, as a reminder, there is a new remastered version of this movie, Batman vs. Superman, coming out on i think the 23rd and that's just 4k imax cropped down to 16 by 9 plus some color correcting stuff and hdr so if that's something you're into like me let me wait until that one's out that comes out i believe on the same day on the 18th and on blu-ray i think the 23rd so going back to the future now so um <laughs> Time code's in the description. This is not your normal episode, so we're probably not going to do Keeper Cancel or anything like that. Um, again, this movie is not failed or forgotten. It is still part of an active franchise of films. We're just doing it for fun because uh, we're getting really hyped for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So are you ready to get going? Yeah, let's do this. So initial expectations. Yeah, actually, I saw this with my dad in theaters because he's a big uh, Superman guy. Oh, really? Yeah. What did he think? He didn't like it. He hated it. That's he why hated I, it. I, I would imagine. <laughs> I hated it too. But like going in, we were both like, you know, pretty excited about it because it looked really cool. It looked really good. I did think like, oh, they're kind of like bringing all the characters together a bit soon because we haven't established Batman yet in this universe. Yeah. And I still kind of believe that a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Like, I was excited about it. Obviously, I ended up being disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and this time around, watching it again, I had low expectations because I remember hating the movie. But because we watched this version of the movie, I did like it a lot better. Were you expecting to, like, be swayed at all by it? Did you think they're going to be very different? I didn't think it was going to be that different. They mostly aren't, right? Yeah. I saw this movie. I was super hyped. I don't know if you remember 2016. This was, like... The marketing for this was huge. The hype was huge. This was a really big deal that f just fell flat within week two of this movie being in theaters. I was in Puerto Rico because it was my mom's birthday. <laughs> and we went to Puerto Rico and I was like, well, I'm going to go to the mall and watch this movie. Whoever wants to come with me can come with me. And then like my cousins were like, oh, yeah, like, let's go see it. And before I knew it, my entire family came to go see this film, <laughs> including like my aunts and uncles who hadn't seen Man of Steel, were just like, oh, superhero flick, let's go do it. Let's, and yeah, they why were, not? Oh, my God, they were in for a one. Um, <laughs> we walked out, and everyone was just kind of, like, mostly confused. <laughs> Understandably so, though. Like, even a fan yeah. of the franchise would be confused right. by that theatrical cut. Who, 
who I am. And I'm sitting here trying to explain things to them while I'm in my head going, but why did Superman want to fight Batman? That wasn't very clear. And what was happening in Africa? <laughs> what what did I just watch? I need to watch that again. Like, I had seen the extended cut, like, as soon as it came out. And so this time around, we had just watched Man of Steel. And I think I liked that movie. I said I liked that movie best this time on this viewing just because I had been so primed into, like, all of, like, all of the hate and all the things maybe I didn't like the first time around. And I was just ready to watch it. And this was the same deal. I'm like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to like this movie better watching it now. Especially knowing that we're going to get a true conclusion to... Well, it's not a conclusion. We'll get to it. But a, a true, like, sequel to this film. Right. Um, not like the... As intended. Right. Not like this jarring left turn that we ended up getting, right? <laughs> All right. You ready to get into the plot? Yeah. Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck, narrates a silent flashback montage. There was a time above, a time before... They were perfect things, diamond absolutes. Things fall, things on earth, and what falls is fallen. A young Bruce and his parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, leave a theater and are approached by a mugger who pulls a gun. Thomas swings at the criminal and shots fired. The man puts the gun to Martha Wayne. The back of the barrel catches her pearl necklace. He pulls the trigger and pearls fly. Bruce looks on in horror. At the wake, Bruce runs off past the family tomb and trips into a hole. He falls into a cave full of dormant bats. The bats flock to him and miraculously carry him back up. Adult Bruce narrates, in the dream they took me to the light, a beautiful lie. Well, during the sequence, um, this is actually, visually this sequence is amazing. But that's the thing that Zack Snyder's good at is visual storytelling. Yeah, it's a strength, yeah, for sure. So we we have the whole, um, obviously we all know Batman's origin. Which is why this yeah. seemed to be done more in like a montage type of yeah. deal instead of us seeing it all over again play out. Right. There's no need to sit through another origin story. Like we yeah. all we're all there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We we know Bruce's parents die, so there's not too too much to unpack here, but the narration by Bruce is uh something of interest here. These are the opening credits too. Yeah. So it's a nice way to kinda like get the ball rolling, like this movie going forward, right? And I think this whole little sequence might be, I'm trying not to oversell it. It might be my favorite part of this whole movie. Oh, okay. Um, And I overall like this movie. I do. I just think this is so, so masterfully done, this sequence. Like, honestly, I I think it's great cinema. Like you said, there is no need to have another origin story. For Batman, like we've seen it, we we right. all know it. Batman has gotten more movies than any other superhero ever. <laughs> we saw it in Batman '89. We saw it in Batman Begins, but Batman Begins had been like what ten years prior. Now at this point, a yeah. little over ten. Batman Begins was kind of like a fresh take on it too. Sure, but like I mean, the 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 bones of it are the same. Yeah, right. So it's nice to see it in a montage style, first of all. Yeah, but also it's incredibly artistic, which is such a difference from Christopher Nolan's because Christopher Nolan's a very kind of realistic he's very into realism his movies are very grounded in reality and then have a flair of a sci-fi element to them right Interstellar kind of pushed it a little bit but the sci-fi element in in Interstellar is a lot stronger sure (laughs) but most of his films have just like one sci-fi element to really go against the the very gritty story that he's telling right and so in his Bruce Wayne origin, it's very quick. It's like a couple seconds, bang, bang, and it's done. You know, that's how trauma is. It's very fast. 
Yeah. And then it's going to affect your life forever. But like it's it's a blink and you miss a kind of moment. Whereas in this one, well, it's a dream. First of all, he just has this reoccurring nightmare of his, you know, of his parents dying. And so it is very kind of like elongated um, <laughs> and it's brutal and it's partially kind of like an un, unreliable narrator situation where like he doesn't literally get pulled up by the bats. Right. Uh, on the one hand, he's dreaming, but on the other hand, it's a metaphor <laughs> that he's fallen down to this place because at the moment his parents die, like his life is essentially over. Like the kid, Bruce Wayne, is dead. And several iterations of Batman will have said it. Like I died when we talked about this. Yeah. Like I, like my life, Bruce Wayne died when when my parents were shot, and then Batman was born. And this literally shows that where he falls into the cave, and then it's the bats that bring him back up. And this is true in a lot of Batman stories where Batman is who he is. Bruce Wayne is the mask. We talked about this during our Kick-Ass podcast. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's that. And then there's what you were saying. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about it. What he was, what Ben Affleck is narrating. Oh, I mean, I'm sure you've got a lot more thoughts on it than I do. <laughs> so I thought about it a lot. <laughs> he says something very interesting. First, he says there was a time above, a time before, meaning like we're in the dark times uh, and all the good stuff is over with. And then he says things fall and what falls is fallen. So fallen is a very interesting word when you use it in like literature um, because it doesn't imp- it doesn't mean that like you've you fell down. It means that you've lost your way. Yeah. Like you've lost your way. You've crashed into maybe darkness, maybe evil, um, maybe corruptness. And that's it. It's not you can come back up. Fallen means you're done yeah, with. You're done. It's yeah. over. It's like when you talk about Lucifer as a fallen angel. He's fallen out of grace of God and there's no coming back. Right. And so what Batman is saying right like right in the first two minutes of this movie is that he's saying I fell and now I have I am fallen. This is all plays out while a beautiful lie is playing. And that's the piece that we were talking about when we were talking about the Wonder Woman review because Hans Zimmer put it in that movie. For some reason. And we were saying it might be because the piece he wrote for this scenario, which was to show how this Bruce Wayne has reached a point that maybe we all do, that people fall to a point, their lowest point, and they have to either stay there and like rot basically in like their own despair or find a way to get back up. For Bruce Wayne, it was the bats. It's Batman, right? Um, And so maybe what he meant by that in that movie was that everybody was, you know, realizing like they're the worst parts of themselves because they were wishing it. You know what I mean? And they were they were kind of reconciling that they're going to have to undo that, be strong, and pull themselves back up. And I think that's the connection here. But the piece of music is all is amazing. This whole score is amazing for this movie. I think this is one of Hans Zimmer's best. Um, and I say that against like Interstellar and uh, freaking like Lion King. But I think this movie in particular, he just kills it. Oh, and the um, we were talking about Zorro. The um, did you see that there was a it there was wasn't a, the marquee. There was a, there was a poster. Was a poster. Yeah. For Zorro. Is it assumed that that's what they were watching? If it wasn't on the marquee, though. Excalibur was on the marquee. Right. And there was a poster for Zorro. So I think. Uh, it was kind of like a... But did it say something like Excalibur coming soon or something like that? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they were watching Zora. Um, eh. So that's cool. A title card reads Metropolis. Mankind is introduced to the Superman. 
Bruce Wayne arrives to Metropolis as a spaceship from Man of Steel is laying waste to the city. <laughs> Bruce reaches the city center and exits his car to watch the world engine implode. He runs into the smoke and rubble towards Wayne Tower as it collapses. In the smoke, he finds an employee whose legs are trapped under a beam named Wally. Bruce holds a child who's lost her mother in the now-collapsed Wayne Tower and watches Superman and Zod fight in the sky. I think this was a great bit to do. Uh, the There's such a complaint in Man of Steel. That About the, all the collateral damage? Yeah, yeah, that the third act basically introduces like a 9-11 scale event. And, so, and it's not really like touched on in that movie it just happens yeah. and, I mean, and then they're like oh superman saved the day yeah and in fairness it happens at the very end of the movie but like exactly like what what would a 9-11 scale event mean for that yeah. for that city for that world right <laughs> like probably the same thing yeah. it means for us and this scene did a really good job of showing that event from the perspective of the people down the street the civilians yeah which man of steel sort of did it with the daily planet employees but not really yeah yeah <laughs> If you notice, people have put the shots side by side for Man of Steel and, and this movie, and they line up perfectly. Like, there's a really good ad- attention to detail. So there. the homework was done on this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the scene where in Man of Steel, where Zod realizes that he has like uh, like heat vision, yeah, like Superman, and then he, he but he can't control it and it goes crazy and he and he destroys throws, throws that, that building. building and then they fly away. Yeah, that was Wayne Tower because it happens underneath these employees of Bruce Wayne's that we see that we see die. Yeah. And, but the lasers go in the same exact angles at the same exact times. And then they fly off. Yeah. So I I think that was super interesting. No, this scene was cool. And, um, it does show what type of person Bruce Wayne is. He's trying to save whoever we can. He really is trying. Yeah. That's who Batman is. Again, Bruce Wayne is the cover up. He's Batman all the time. Yeah. So what's he going to do in the middle of the day when, like something aliens are as, destroying the city. He's going to get in his Jeep and and try to help as much as he can, right? Yeah. Which he he does. He does try to help. I love the shot where he holds the girl and he asks like, "Hey, where's your mom?" and she's like, "Up there." And he looks up and the building's like collapsing. Yeah. He's like, "This bitch's mom's dead." <laughs> like, what am I going to like what's got to figure out what to do now? Yeah. And if Batman it is anything and his main thing, main thing is that he wants to prevent other Batman scenarios from happening. Yeah. Like he will do anything to stop a child from losing his parents specifically yeah, because he's not going to want them to go through the pain that he went ex- through. Himself. Exactly. Exactly. So the, him having to hold this girl who just lost her parents while watching Superman and Zod fight in two minutes, you know, the movie's already told you what Batman's motivations are. Yeah. He's upset and also terrified at what these metahumans can do not even metahumans they're actually aliens yeah but (laughs) yeah (laughs) right there's also it was cut out this was in the ultimate cut but there's a horse in that scene and uh there's actually several horses in this movie i started to realize um are they pale horses no some are black okay i started to realize they're symbols for death so anytime there's death in this movie there's a horse Um, and we'll get to that in Nairobi, Africa, Lois Lane meets Jimmy Olsen, where she intends to interview a warlord in the midst of a civil war. She asks him about the suspiciously non-African security detail. Olsen's camera is searched and discovered to hold a tracking device and that he is an undercover CIA agent. Now held at gunpoint, the CIA authorizes a drone strike attack despite Lois, a civilian, becoming a likely casualty. 
The security detail begins inexplicably shooting the African soldiers and torching their bodies. They evacuate before the drone strikes arrives. The drone shoots a missile but is intercepted by Superman. He lands to save Lois and escapes. So I don't remember how this scene played out in the original cut. I just remember they had cut out so much. It was just a confusing mess. It was so confusing. And again, this is the third scene in the movie. And most of the movie plays off of this scene. This sets up the entire plot. Yeah. So fucking this scene up kind of fucks the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't remember what they cut out, but I remember not knowing what the fuck was going what on. What anybody was doing. The whole Jimmy Olsen character was cut out. Actually, no, he no, wasn't. He, he was in it. He just didn't admit that his name was Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. A lot of people have to take like issue with that because, well, Jimmy Olsen's like a big Superman yeah. mythos character, like. He's Clark's buddy. Yeah. You know? Well, he's he's Superman's uh, best pal or something. Best friend. Yeah. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. That's what um, so like it's they, called. They kind of did him dirty. A little bit, yeah. But uh, I've heard people kind of a complaint being that like, hey, this is what Zack Snyder thinks of your Silver Age bullshit. Like all this fun Jimmy Olsen stuff. Shot him in the head. And- I could also see that being like, like Snyder just not being a yeah. fan of that character. You know, maybe, but at the same time, you see a lot of these in these superhero movies where they're like, "All right, we need to kind of stuff in as many references as possible." Here's a character. Who can he be? Okay, he's Jimmy Olsen, and also That's he's dead now, so there goes any chance of him showing up later. Sure, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it does kind of suck. Again, we're not we're gonna get him a Man of Steel two or anything like that, but it would have been still it would have been. I <laughs> know, yeah, but I mean it, that would have been fun. So yeah, a lot of stuff happens in this, but basically the takeaway is that there's three parties here. There's the security detail. These... Or apparently not affiliated with the militia. Exactly. Uh, and then the warlord, the militia, or whatever. And then Superman shows up, saves the day. But they had torched their bodies. And the goal there is to make it seem like Superman had been responsible for all those casualties. Yeah. So, Which is clear in this version of the movie. It is clear in this one. And in, in the first one, it's not at all. <laughs> Eyewitnesses in a Washington hearing recall a boom as Superman attacked the village. A local African lady questions Superman's intentions and loyalties. Meanwhile, police report to a human trafficking house where survivors are terrified of an it. The police look up and see a flash of Batman escape. A man is left chained to a radiator with a bat-shaped brand on his chest. Uh, This first appearance of Batman is pretty cool, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's showing that Batman is uh, a bit more brutal now. Than we're used to, though. He's now branding people. Yeah, because also, this is in Gotham City. The cops know who Batman is, but many have never seen him. Right. Because one of them looks at the other and he's like, I saw him. Like, he's, I almost, like, I almost got him or whatever. And then, and then the other cop responds with, like, stop shooting at the good guys. Right, right. But then when they see the brand, they, they're, they're, like, they're surprised. Right. So it's implied that this is a new thing that he's doing. Exactly. Which, I don't know what exactly brings this up. Like, why does he start branding criminals? I think he's sick of everyone's shit. Like, I think... He, again, <laughs> he's just upset. He's, he, he's fallen. Like, this is a Batman that's that's been through it, you know? Yeah. Oh, also, oh I was going to say, also, like, this guy's like a human trafficker. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. fuck this guy, right? <laughs> he's kind of, like, he one, of the, one of the biggest piece of shits that you can be. Like, what were they doing there? They had a bunch of people locked in a cage. Yeah. It was kind of like interesting though, like when the cops tried to open the cage that the ladies were so scared that they they closed they the cage shut back. it yeah. again. They're like, no, it's still here. Yeah, 
That's pretty cool. See, that's that's what I like about a Batman. That like he's kind of like this urban legend. People think he's a monster. Yeah, you know. But it's crazy that he's been Batman for so long, and he's still like a myth, though, and not like, oh yeah, that's Batman. He's good at it, right? <laughs> I, I guess so. Uh, he's kind of like an open secret. Lois draws a bath while discovered. That's not how a sentence works. Lois discovers a bullet in her journal from Africa. Clark arrives to their apartment with groceries. She's concerned about the costs associated with Superman saving her in Africa. He's optimistic that he did the right thing. Yeah, because he, he comes in, he's like, I, I don't care what they think. Like, yeah. the woman I love was in trouble, I wouldn't have saved her. And this is, you know, in this movie we'll discuss of how Superman is treated and how loyal or faithful this interpretation is to Superman the character, um, which mm-hmm. has been up to debate. We debated it with Chris. But I think his ideals are still <laughs> yeah the, intact. The movie's also kind of trying its best to for Superman to come off as like hopelessly optimistic because he, they make him seem like naive almost. Yeah. yeah, because he's he's basically like, look, like that's not my problem right now. What they think of me, I had to go do this. Yeah, it's like I had I, to save I you. I had to save you, so that. I did it, and that's that. Here's the flowers I got you. Let's have sex in the tub. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, he rips his shirt off. Nudity minute. It's back. Uh, they're both naked. <laughs> Bruce, living in a modern glass lake house, across from the burn wreckage of Wayne Manor, arrives to the Batcave as Alfred tinkers with his armor. Alfred criticizes Bruce for branding his criminal victims. Bruce assures Alfred, We're criminals, Alfred. Nothing's changed. Alfred, in disgust, replies, Everything's changed. Innocence dies. That's how it starts. The fever, the rage that turned good men cruel. So <laughs> here's the thing about this movie. If you pay any attention, you realize that Bruce is going down a hole. He's going down a path that is dark and much more vicious than yeah. he's ever been. He's, um, I don't want to use the word broken because. Because I'm broken. <laughs> but yeah. like he is like, he's a broken man at this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to it, but. For this movie to work, he kind of needs to be, I think. Yeah. Did, Otherwise, did he wouldn't want to fight break Superman. The bat? <laughs> yep, yeah, right. But like, <laughs> would he even want to fight Superman if he wasn't like this broken down shell of Batman? You no. know what I mean? Um, and I love all of the interplay with Alfred. They have several conversations in this movie, kind of about this, like, what are you doing? This mm. isn't what we signed up for when we started doing this whole thing. Yeah, like, Alfred, Alfred's like trying to talk him down most of the movie actually. exactly and oh. i i love jeremy irons as alfred in this he, oh yeah incredible he's fantastic he's amazing uh but i love that line that he's like no this is how it starts this is what turns good men cruel like if you start down this path now where are you gonna end up you know he's gonna become the villain right which i guess he is kind of the antagonist of this movie in a in a way he's he's Some- yeah, you know, like, uh, sometimes. Not as clear as, like, because I've said that in Civil War, Iron Man is written as the antagonist. Like, the classic antagonist. Mm. He's the one impeding the protagonist from, from getting... Achieving his goal. Exactly. Uh, so, in this one, it, it, he's kind of. Impe- yeah. Uh, like, at the beginning of the third bit. act, he definitely is. No, no, for sure. <laughs> at LexCorp, we meet Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg. An awkward but intelligent yeah for <laughs> oh boy an awkward but intelligent heir to his father's corporation. He's invited two senators to show their findings 
from Kryptonian wreckage, a green radioactive mineral called kryptonite, proven to weaken Kryptonian DNA on contact. Lex wants access to a larger amount of kryptonite found in the South Indian Ocean, where the world engine was destroyed. One senator agrees to help Lex weaponize kryptonite, and in exchange, Lex wants Zod's body to study and access to the spaceship. He forces a Jolly Rancher into the senator's mouth while listing his demands. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, before we talk about Lex, though, because I know we're both probably going to have a lot to say about him, I do want to talk about that they're actually introducing Kryptonite, which yeah. in Man of Steel, they didn't. In Man of Steel, they kind of had it to where, like, oh, Krypton's atmosphere weakens us. So if you're near Kryptonian tech or anything like that, like, you become. Because he was breathing in that different yeah. air. Yeah. Whereas now we have, you know, the classic kryptonite, like, this will weaken you, this will cut you, this will kill yeah. you. So, so, do you like it? Do you not like it? What do I, you... <laughs> I, I like it. It's just, it's interesting because when I watched Man of Steel, I thought they were just not going to do kryptonite in this universe. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was just well, going to be like Kryptonian tech that they're going to use you instead. Got, you got to remember why Kryptonite kryptonite exists is because Superman was too strong right. in the comics and he either has to fight other incredibly strong enemies or people that can outsmart him like Alex Luthor but then that's not interesting so you have to introduce kryptonite so it's either super strong alien or less strong person who happens to have kryptonite and think of what kryptonite has done like culturally <laughs> you know what i mean it's basically like a verb now yeah we've got a three doors down song yeah <laughs> i cannot stress enough how much i hate jesse eisenberg's portrayal of lex Luthor. Oh, i hate it too it is probably what brings this movie down the most in my opinion i think this movie is not i mean not to spoil my analysis of it but I think this movie is not far from being a really good movie if you were to change a handful of things. And the number one thing would be casting someone else to do a different interpretation of <laughs> Lex Luthor. Because this guy's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. I would have really liked if we had um, a Lex closer to the one from Smallville. I didn't watch Smallville. But, oh. I, you know, actually, no, I lied. I saw a couple episodes. I saw but You guy. know what I mean, though? Like, a yeah. bit more... Um... You know, nuanced. Yeah. So Lex Luthor in the comics and in everything else is suave, charming, very normal on the outside, but, on but the... evil and manipulative. Yeah, very cold and calculating. Yes. And... and he, the way he manipulates you and tricks you is through his charm, not by being a fucking weirdo. Like... This is the exact characterization, exact opposite of what Lex Luthor should be. It is such a like departure. He feels like the Riddler. Yes, um, I've I've seen it said. Uh, Chris actually told me this. He said <laughs> he would play a perfect Riddler in a different movie. Yes, Th just this because he mostly speaks in riddles. He speaks in um idioms the entire yeah. movie, and he's smart. And you can kind of you can tell that he's smart. He's just a yeah. fucking weirdo. Yeah, he is intelligent. And he makes that clear in this movie. And not to mention this movie, he tricks Batman, which I was like, I was a little bit like, oh, you know, Batman, come on, you're supposed to be smarter than this. He also tricks Superman, but I feel like that's a little bit easier to do. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's confusing because sometimes you have to really be paying attention to what he's saying 
to realize what he's saying because again he's mostly talking in idioms to where you know the people he's talking to don't understand a word he's saying and that was the intent right. I, I i read on that that what they wanted to do is make him appear like he's constantly the smartest person in the room and he won't dumb himself down for other people but this is not how you execute that no, don't speak in all. riddles just like just say the thing. Say the thing that you're thinking. But he creeps everyone out. And the thing is, that's built into the movie. It's not just us. Like, the people around him are creeped out by him. Yeah. No one's comfortable around him. And that is fundamentally not Lex Luthor. That yeah. is more of a Batman villain. And that's the problem. They turned him into a Batman villain by making him insane. Yep. Did you know that the original cast for, for him, or at least the actor that they, that they wanted, was Brian Cranston? That would have been good. It would have been perfect would have been the same like characterization though because no uh they wanted to go with like the classic lex Luthor, and it was jesse eisenberg's audition and like input that made them go this way oh so i hate jesse eisenberg yeah and i think what they wanted is like they wanted a millennial they wanted kind of some like a a new kind of fresh take on it because that on its own would have been fine though if he had just been charming and suave and normal sure uh, again, cold calculating. He's supposed to be jealous of Superman because Superman introduces a new kind. He kind of takes all his power, you know, and and yeah. th- that still applies in this movie. But sort of. Yeah. But again, I don't know. Um, Cran- Cranston would have been so much better. Or yeah. you could have, you know what? Um, Giancarlo Esposito. That would have been great, too. He ended up playing Lex Luthor in the Harley Quinn TV show. Oh, okay. You should watch that. It's really good. I started it. I haven't gotten super far in it yet, though. Yeah, either of those Breaking Bad cast members would have done incredible. Uh, and again, would have made this movie so much better. But I think uh, the implication here also is that... Because this Lex is like Lex Jr. Oh, that was the other thing. Yeah. So um, maybe his in this universe, his father was the cold and calculating yes. Lex Luthor that we all know and love. Exactly. But and, unfortunately, we don't get to see that. Right. And that was also uh, a fan theory I had seen around this time when this movie came out. I said, hey, if you want to fix Lex, Lex Luthor, it's easy. You just have Brian Cranston show up in the next movie and be like, what are you up to, like, Anthony? <laughs> My son's a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, f- or not Anthony uh, Alexander. Alexander. Yeah, yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, get the f- <laughs> go away. I'm in charge now. Um, and that would have kind of fixed it, but it's also kind of like a soft retcon, like a lazy move. But I- at this point, I would be all. I- for I'd it. be fine with it. I'd be totally okay with it. I'd be like, yes, fucking soft reboot this character. At the Daily Planet, Perry White sends Clark to neighboring Gotham City on assignment. While there, Clark seeks out the African witness who testified against his alleged actions, but only finds warnings of Batman. Clark now has his sight set on reporting on Batman's vicious methods. Perry reluctantly assigns Clark to a charity event led by Lex Luthor. I really like all of the uh, Daily Planet stuff in this movie. I do too, and it's good to see um, Clark being Clark. He's doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of like, He's not really doing his job. <laughs> no, he was supposed to do sports. <laughs> uh, but that's boring. So he goes rogue a bit. Yeah. And and I think the implication here is that he's just learning about Batman because he's new, right? Right. In this movie, Gotham City and Metropolis are right across a bay from each other. And so it's supposed to be like... It's like New York and New Jersey. 
I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, you know, Tampa and St. Petersburg. But most accurately, it's San Francisco and Oakland. Oh, okay. Because those are two big cities, one of which is very nice and expensive. And, and Oakland's a, shitty. It's a shithole, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> also, does Perry White have any control over his employees? Because it seems like they all just kind of do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, but they're like independent report. Yeah. They all do whatever the fuck they want. He yells at them and he's like, okay, whatever. That was, I mean, that was the humor in this movie, though. (laughs) And all that stuff played really well, I think. It did. but I love that. This man has no fucking control over the (laughs) Daily Planet. (laughs) I love later on he shows up and he's got the newspaper and he's like, I was looking at your sports. And he just holds the newspaper. It's all blank. (laughs) It was funny. It's like, no sports the fuck are you doing but i'm also kind of convinced that he's not a good boss <laughs> maybe yeah lex meets with senator june finch oh shit i forgot who played her <laughs> she tells him she's blocked his import license for kryptonite he points to a classical painting of angels battling demons from below and points out that the painting should be upside down now that they know that devils come from the sky yeah, not much to unpack here other than lex being crazy weird yeah, yeah. Oh, there is a point where, because she's like, you can't call it a turret, you know, call, call it what it is. She's from Kentucky. And yeah. so she's got a little accent. And she says, uh, she has that saying that she says, which comes into play. Right, right, right. She says, you can't, don't give me a jar of, of piss, piss and, and call it granny's peach tea. Yeah. Like, I like I, I know what you are, basically. Yeah. Um, I like her character a lot. She's an original character for this. And she's like one of the few people that's like literally just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, so because she's the one in this movie that's trying mostly to hold Superman accountable, like, right, legally. Like, you can't right? just uh, fly around and destroy a city. Exactly. Yeah. In an underground fighting ring, Bruce seeks out the Russian, a person he's investigating to prevent a dirty bomb from entering Gotham, and clones his phone. Later, he sets flowers in his parents' tomb and hallucinates a man bat, quickly awakening from a dream. He swallows prescription medication with a glug of wine. Bruce reports to Alfred that the Russian's phone is sending data to Luther's house and he needs to sneak in to hack it as Batman. Alfred points out that he should go as himself, as he's been personally invited to the charity event. There, Lex gives an awkward speech about books or something. (laughs) As Bruce listens to Alfred over an earpiece, Clark Kent hears the earpiece with the super hearing and curiously introduces himself to interview Bruce on his position on Batman and the ethics behind his methods. Bruce considers his question hypocritical, coming from a reporter from the Daily Planet who celebrates, as he says, an alien who can burn it all down if he wanted to. Lex interrupts this meeting to try to mingle with Bruce, eager to do business with Wayne. Meanwhile, an unknown beautiful lady has stolen Bruce's transceiver. So... <laughs> I think this is a really smart way of putting Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne together. Yeah, there's actually a lot going on in this scene. I really like it. Um, if it wasn't for Lex's stupid speech, I would really like this yeah. whole scene. Oh, his speech made everybody in the room uncomfortable, too. Yeah. It's also like, why are you hosting a party and just being weird? So here's the thing, and I didn't notice it in any time I've ever watched this movie. I noticed it when someone pointed out to me. Is that Lex's speech is about how books represent knowledge and historically knowledge is power, but now suddenly realizes that that is no longer true. Now that Superman is here, Superman is power and everything else is nothing, basically. Right. So Lex Luthor, a man who thought was powerful because he's smart, you know, he has he has a big company, he's rich. 
now he's overshadowed by a man that just showed up and has superpowers. Like <laughs> this is a this is a paradigm shift that nobody saw coming. No one thought was even possible, and now he's been like reduced to nothing. Is that's the implication here, right? But yeah. you don't realize that at all because he's like he has kind of he's stage like, fright, and he's like going off on a tangent about. I mean, I guess about that, but the way he's saying it is just Copernicus? not clear. Who was it? Not Copernicus. Uh, uh, Iker, no. The guy who the guy who uh, the guy who gives fire to man and then gets killed by Zeus. Yes, uh, Prometheus. That's it. Yes, Promethean fire. And a fun little thing about the scene is after he says that. The camera pans to uh, Wonder Woman. Yep. Yeah, and she kind of rolls her eyes. She's like, "That's not how it went." You yeah, fucking idiot. Because <laughs> she's there, right? That was a nice little scene. But yeah, there's a lot going on here right now because we've got Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, and Diana Prince in the same room. Yeah, none of them know who each other really are right now. Well, I love that bit that the earpiece because Alfred's talking into. Uh, I mean, I just read it. Alfred is talking into uh, Bruce Wayne's ear, but Clark Kent hears that and he's like, "Who is this guy? Why does he have an earpiece? Yeah, what so is he, he up to?" He immediately becomes suspicious of him, right? Yeah. And then as the scene carries on, he pretty much figures out that he's Batman, <laughs> very very quickly, <laughs> which is super good reporting on in your part as an investigative journalist. Kind of cheating, but yeah, exactly. You're using your superpowers <laughs> and you happen to be at the right place at the right time, right? But I love their little bit because. You know, their ideals are like so similar, but also like very different, very much at odds. And Superman is questioning Batman's ethics, but this whole movie questions Superman's ethics, right? So you can see why each of them would question the other from their perspective, not really kind of looking at themselves, right? Right. But us as the viewers, also, though, we we know that Superman's just a guy trying to do what he thinks is the right thing to do, exactly. But nobody else in the world knows that, right? Because they don't know, him. right? Because how so, do you? How so do you it's understandable that, that they're power. afraid, exactly. Yeah. So I love that he's like, "You guys write a puff piece every time your hero saves a cat from a tree." But if he wanted to, he could just kill us all. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and then what? It's a good point, you know. It's a he little also, xenophobic, but... yeah, a, a little bit, yeah. And they also throw a little uh, Joker reference. He goes, "You know, maybe it's just the Gotham City in me, and I don't trust a." man dressed as a clown or something <laughs> uh, i like that a lot when lex luther shows up and he's like clark kent meets bruce wayne i love bringing people together obviously you know who bruce wayne is how do you know who clark kent is yeah is he that renowned of a no journalist i think maybe it's because like he he's the guy in charge maybe he had studied the list like he seems like the kind of guy who would know everyone that would come to his house but at the same, or I mean, I don't know if that was his house, but or that was the library. Or no, it was his house, because um, they he hacked into the. Or servers. maybe he just knows that Clark Kent is Superman because he has fucking eyes. That's what it is, though. <laughs> well, no, but remember, um, he does deduce that Clark Kent is Superman. Right. I don't remember quite how, but he does. They do never it. say. I don't think he just knows. Yeah, I, I guess he figured it out. All right. Yeah, because he finds out. Uh, spoilers. Well, he figured it out in the last movie pretty easily too. So <laughs> she did like 20 minutes of research. Yeah. Clark seeing a report about a girl in a burning building in Juarez, Mexico, flies over to save her. The town celebrating the Day of the Dead praise him like a god. 
a montage of real-life TV pundits debate Superman as he saves civilians. Charlie Rose asks Senator Finch, Are you, as a United States senator, personally comfortable saying to a grieving parent, Superman could have saved your child, but on principle, we did not want him to act? Exhausted by the debate, Clark calls his mother. I love this montage. I think I don't know what your thoughts on, but I think it's really, really good. No, it this was a this whole scene was pretty good. I fuck I forgot to write down all the people in this in the scene. Um Charlie Rose, who we saw, longtime um report or uh yeah, reporter. Yeah. Also there was a couple authors and then there was um the astronomer. What's his name? Neil deGrasse yes. Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. And they're all debating basically like what does this mean for us now that we know not only aliens are real, they are super powerful, yeah. like ethically, religiously, um, politically. Like the the world should be shaken by something like this happening. Yeah, exactly. They're all being very calm about it, though. Well, it had been, I think the movie earlier said 18 it's, months. Yeah. So, so this is a year and a half of like, like, what does Superman mean, you know? Yeah. But I love that. They're over here playing the politics of Superman while Superman is just constantly saving the day. You know, there's one where he's he's pulling a whole like oil tanker or something in the sea that got stuck in an ice yep. shelf. He's just pulling it with a chain. Uh, he saved some explosion. Uh, he did a couple other things. Saved some people in a flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Worse, that one they made him look like Jesus coming down from... Yeah, but also... It's it's no secret that the allegory here is that this that Superman is a Jesus character. Right. This guy in this montage literally says it. He's like, this is the Jesus character. He's a Christ figure. Right. And so why are we confused now that he's finally here? Because it doesn't line up with any of our ideologies. Like what? <laughs> What's the problem? He's literally here. He's saving people. He's yeah. I think one guy actually does say like, I think he's just a guy trying to do what he thinks is right. Exactly. But I think Charlie Rose has a point here when he has a center like. How are you trying to like control him? Are you basically saying that there mustn't be a Superman? Because he says, "Must there be a Superman?" Like, what do you? What's your? What are you trying to get at? And the senator is like, "Well, there is one, you know." So yeah. that's the that's the predicament that one. we're in. Like, so we got to figure this out, right? And I I really like the the whole Mexico Day of the Dead thing because again, in in Mexico people are mostly like Catholic, so when they see like a figure like this. I don't again, I don't know what we would do if we saw a Superman in real life, but I think they're they they probably think he is either like Jesus Christ himself or, or an angel of some or sort or an angel or a saint or, or I mean not a saint because saints are supposed to be like regular people. Right. But I like that kind of symbolism putting him there in that in that scenario in Mexico while they're celebrating Day of the Dead, the imagery is really kind of spot on. And then the music here is really awesome. It's it's a lot of like the same themes that we saw in the last or we heard in the last movie. Yeah. I also think Zack Snyder just loves doing like Christ imagery too, because he does similar things with uh, Doctor Manhattan in the Watchmen movie. Yeah, and I think, I mean, these are the two characters. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. where are the other two Jesus type characters in? any comic book. it's these two it's kind of a yeah. coincidence that they both landed on Zack Snyder's lap <laughs> true you know what I mean so when people say that I'm like I don't think I don't think is it Zack a Zack Snyder... Snyder thing or is no. it like just the character I think he's doing what he sees as the obvious like 
parallel. You right. know what I mean? Let's not forget, Dr. Manhattan exists because they wouldn't let them use Superman. That's true. So they and, wrote Dr. Manhattan. And he is basically God. He Exactly. <laughs> that That's the point of that character. Yeah. Anyway, I just think this montage is doing the right thing with, with this movie. It's asking the right questions. Clark continues his investigation on Batman. Newspapers show that the Bat brand is a death sentence in prison. The branded criminal from the beginning of the movie is thrown in prison and promptly shanked on a bribe from the Russian. Lex bails Wally out of prison and gifts him an electric wheelchair. Remember, Wally now is, uh, his legs got, like, amputated off yeah. after after his accident in the yeah. beginning of the movie. When Bruce uh, pulled him out from the rubble. Right, right, right. That part about the Russian being the one giving the bribe to the person to shank the guy, that was cut out of the original cut. Right. So it wasn't clear why Batman's Brand. branded criminals were being killed in prison. It didn't make in the theatrical cut, this made no sense at all. It's... In, in the theatrical cut, it's almost implied that Batman's fully aware that if he brands someone, they're going to go die. Like, that was his intent. But it's not his right. intent. He's branding people because he basically wants, is leaving a mark on, like, his his most right. his worst criminals. Like, think about it logically for a second. If, you, if you're a criminal and, like, Batman catches you, which he does with most criminals, it seems like. Why would that mean you're going to be killed in prison by another criminal? What I, sense does that make in I, any world? I think maybe it's what they're kind of getting at is that Batman's branding the worst ones. And so if you're bad enough for Batman to brand you, then you deserve to die. Um, again, this guy was like a human trafficker. But right, it's also the other people in jail who probably got put there by Batman, the ones that are killing him. So, yeah, I, I mean, it was confusing is my point. Yeah. In this one, in, in the Ultimate Cut, they straight up tell you, hey, look, it's Lex Luthor trying to make Batman yeah. look bad. Why? Let's let's keep watching the movie, you know? It'll come together in this version of the movie. Right. Again, watch the Ultimate Cut <laughs> yeah. because, god damn, the theatrical cut yeah. sucks. Bruce recovers his drive from the Mystery Woman, which, by the way, is, it's, it's Diane. It's Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> he falls asleep at his computer and has another nightmare. In a dystopian future, Gotham lies in ruin. Batman in a trench coat overlooks a giant Omega in the ground. Assault rifle in hand, he meets with smugglers looking for kryptonite, but he's ambushed by a militarized security with Superman emblems. They start murdering Batman's people. Batman fights back, shooting and punching his way through Superman's soldiers. He's quickly overtaken by flying insect-looking humanoids and knocked out. Batman is awakened in a bunker, chained to the ceiling. Superman arrives and uses his heat vision to murder the other prisoners. He unmasks Batman and sees Bruce's face. Superman accuses Batman of taking her from him and kills him. Bruce awakens to see the Flash appearing through a bright portal, screaming that he needs to find them. He screams that Lois is the key. Bruce awakens again. So... This scene <laughs> is... Cool. It's also confusing. It's very cool and it is very confusing. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit shorter in the theatrical cut, which again adds to more confusion. <laughs> um, but it, I like it a lot. First of all, I think maybe the flash bit makes it extra confusing. Well, I, that's the part that I thought was clear. It's like clearly he traveled through time to okay. send Bruce a message of some sort. But I wasn't. It's not a character we've ever met before. 
You right. need to know who the Flash is for this to kind of make sense. Right. It, I guess because I know that the Flash is able to do that, that's... Exactly. He's also wearing, like, some sort of armor. He's wearing, like, a, like a time-traveling it, it, yeah. suit. But, yeah. um... This is something that was not followed up on at all in Justice League. Maybe in the Snyder Cut it is. It absolutely is. Yeah, but, it, like, it, yeah. the scene kind of happens and then, like, nothing related to it happens again. Yeah. Right. He's, he mentions it a little bit later. I think he says he has, like, a, a premonition or something. I don't know. He says something. He just, oh, he says, oh, just call it a feeling or something like that. Yeah. But this is supposed to be... Like an alternate future. He's having premonitions because he's starting to realize that his dreams are becoming more and more realistic. And in, in this alternate future, obviously, everything's destroyed. Yeah. And Batman is... E- or sorry, Superman is evil. And so he thinks in order to prevent that from happening, he needs to stop Superman. But what he's not getting, I guess, is that Flash is telling him that it's Lois is the key. Not for some reason. For some reason. And so apparently in this future, Lois is dead. Um, and it's Batman's fault. And that's what turns Superman. In fairness, that's what the Injustice video games are all about, right? Right. So it's not completely unheard of that this happens. No. I am getting a little bit tired of like the evil Superman thing though. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's overplayed at this point. Yeah. I I I remember when it was like kind of a new thing, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's a cool concept. And now, now it's like, it's like time, every you know? Superman plot is like, oh, Superman's bad. Yeah. So <laughs> so I, I hope they don't go down that route. So we'll get into it also, but the plan was for three Justice League movies. Okay. The third one would be mostly set in this, what they call the nightmare sequence. Okay. Or the nightmare this universe. This very uh, Mad max Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah. I'd be all about. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be If cool. done properly, I'd be all about right. it. Right. It'd but be a little strange. I'll tell you about those movies later. Yeah. Yeah, the the double dream thing is... The double dream thing was a bit much. It's a bit weird. It's also something that you've seen before. Like, yeah, you wake up from a dream, and then it's like something weird's still happening, and then they wake up again. It's a trope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Clark investigates the death of the criminal from the beginning of the film, the one that was shanked in, in prison. He finds his baby mama, who tells him her boyfriend was moved from Gotham to Metropolis, where the guards don't care. They allow Batman's reign as judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, this scene was cut also. but Would that be the other way around? They were moved from Metropolis to Gotham? Nope. No? That is what they said in the in the movie. That's weird. You would think, yeah. because Why I, would Batman's brand of justice... Extend to the jails in Metropolis, exactly. Yeah. But I, I I thought about that when, when she said, I was like, what? It's not the other way around? You would think that Metropolis has their shit more together. But that's just how they said it in the yeah, movie, that's... yeah. That is weird. Yeah. I, I like this Clark investigating. A lot of this whole movie, at least the first like half of it, is kind of a detective movie where yeah. there's three different parties and they're all trying to solve the same mystery. Well, I think the first half of this movie is the strongest part of this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And I really like all this stuff. I like that there's a lot of little bits of evidence here and there. Bruce is looking for the Russian to get to like what he said was the white Portuguese, which was another kind of code name. Um, while Lois is investigating the bullet and Clark is investigating Batman. Right. And I like this kind of idea that all three are having, they're all three in their own kind of detective movie and they're all playing to their strengths, right? Cause yeah. Batman is a detective and these other two are reporters. Yeah. So we see them doing what they're good at. Yeah. It's funny that 
Clark is being a bit more clandestine as a reporter than Lois is, who's just kind of like throwing herself into situations. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred discovers Bruce has been lying to him and gets him to admit that his search for the Russian is to acquire kryptonite for himself. Alfred tries to stop him, urging him that Superman is not their enemy. Bruce responds, 20 years in Gotham, how many good guys are left? How many stayed that way? Implying that there's no use in trusting Superman. He plans on stealing kryptonite from Lex. Batman follows the truck in the Batmobile, leading to a violent chase, but the chase is stopped by Superman. Superman warns him to end his activities as Batman, and Batman threatens back. This is where we get to the kind of like infamous chase, because a a problem a lot of people have with this movie, and Batman in particular, is that he's killing people. Oh, straight up murdering them. Yeah, but... We also learn here that Bruce has been Batman for 20 years, actively. Yeah. And I feel like it's a damn shame that we haven't seen any of those, like, adventures in this universe. Yeah, but I I liked their idea because the original idea when they casted Ben Affleck was not, we got an old Batman, so his adventures are over. It's we got an old Batman because it's a more interesting take. But he right. was supposed to sign. He was going to be signed on for like 10 appearances. Right. Which would have been really cool. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, it feels like we're just kind of seeing him at the tail end of his career. Yeah. And we missed all of it. And that's not the fault of this movie. It's the fault that they never continued on with what they planned on doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just because he's 20 years in doesn't mean that his career is over. It's kind of implied that he's already met most of his villains, but that doesn't mean that we wouldn't have seen him again. Again, this movie and the next one would have kind of paved the way for a, like Batman solo movies right. with Ben Affleck. So they there were plans it, for more things. It's one of those things where if this worked out, it would have been wonderful. But it as of right now, it just didn't. Yeah, it's just it feels like a huge missed opportunity. Yeah, I do like that. Again, this movie is kind of drilling into that Batman is broken. Yeah. And that he he has no faith anymore. He has no hope for her, like good to triumph over evil. He's basically saying like, we've been here long enough. Like how many good guys stayed good? You know, and you if you know about Batman, you know specifically like people he's talking about. He's talking about Two-Face, right? He's yeah. talking about uh corrupt cops. All these villains. The we've entire seen another... GCPD. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> he's seen some shit. So like you get that now. Oh, he's not going to be optimistic that a Superman has arrived. He's going to be he, he's going to at least question it. Right. He does a bit more than that. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the chase. Oh, we were talking about uh, Batman killing. Here's my feelings about this. We just saw four Batman movies. And in each and every one of them, Batman <laughs> murders people a lot worse than this. Right. In every appearance of Batman on film, he has killed people. The only exception is the movie The Dark Knight. And the reason it's an exception in that movie is because it's a plot point in that movie. He goes out of the way to not to try to not kill yeah, people. It's a plot point because in that movie, Joker straight up tells him, I'm gonna get you to break your one rule. I'm gonna Joker's whole bit is to disrupt the establishment. Right. Which was kind and, of like that scenario you're talking about, it was kind of a riff on his uh, killing joke thing, too, where it's like, all it takes is one bad day. Yeah, sure. And he just wants to break Batman. Yeah. And if he gets Batman to kill anybody, including himself, he wins. Mm-hmm. And it's a great 
story for that movie to tell. But in the previous movie, he killed people. So where's the Did he the kill line? people in Batman Begins? He killed the bad guy. He goes, I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And then he jumps off that train and he lets it blow up. It's not direct. He didn't get his hands dirty, but yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in Batman, in the first Batman, Batman 89, remember he drove the Batmobile to the Oh yeah, no, those chemical, old Batman movies, yeah, he and killed And he blew a lot up that whole building with everyone. In the second one, Batman Returns, remember, he fights a thug, gets a bomb, straps it to him, pushes him off the building, and that thug explodes and Batman smiles. I do remember that. So... Where's the line? You know how how come those get forgiven and this one is such a big hoopla? Like it's the same shit. In fact, it's so the same shit because in Batman eighty nine, also he's got the Batwing and it's got giant guns on it, and he tries shooting down Joker and he just misses. <laughs> but he's shooting him with like machine guns. So the fact that the Batmobile has a machine gun on it, it's That's it's the same weapon. thing. I'm yeah. sorry, it's the same exact thing. So yeah, he is a little uh, he's he's a little nonchalant and with his gratuitous killing in this movie i mean he kills maybe like three people in fairness like there's there's that one uh, maybe like five there's the one car that he just shot and it exploded another yeah. one that he kind of like rammed into uh, like a guy's face gets rammed into um, oh the people on the truck yeah. yeah and then later on he shoots people in his plane but i don't know if any oh no something explodes yeah. but okay and here's the other thing this movie is telling you Batman's in a dark place. This isn't the Batman we know. Right. He's It's he's, giving you context. For right. It. He's gone off the deep end. It's, so it's not random either. It is part of the plot of the movie. Also, would Batman fight Superman to the death if he hasn't already crossed that line? You know what I'm saying? True. Does the movie, does their central conflict work if Batman hasn't already crossed that line? I kind of would argue maybe it doesn't. So I, Batman needs to be a bit like unhinged. Yes, he needs to he needs to be there. And Superman being this beacon of hope, you know, in in theme, works to pull him out of that. And you can argue maybe the execution isn't there, but it's all there on paper. You know what I'm saying? Like they did their part, I think. Right. So look, I I kind of wish it wasn't as gratuitous, but I <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I don't have a huge problem with it. Also, this chase sequence is awesome. The Batmobile is awesome. I um, do love this Batmobile. It's it's so badass. It's a nice cross between like like a realistic car, but it's not but like also the like an armored. It's like a tank, but it yeah. also goes fast, and it's also still kind of comic booky a little bit. So it feels yeah. real, but it doesn't. But it it was real. They built it, and it really did all those stunts. <laughs> so I I love this this little sequence. And also, you're deep into the the action of it when he turns the corner and then Superman's just staring at him and he looks shit faced, <laughs> and like the like Batman terrified. Just bounces off of oh, Superman. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I like that when they stand up to each other. Batman's taller, and Superman has to look up at him, which is kind of cool because he's obviously much stronger. Yeah. Oh yeah, he just stands up. Like, kudos to Batman. He he was scared, but he's still like. Right, stood right. face to but face against Superman. Ben Affleck has a good like three or four inches over yeah. Henry Cavill. Lois is investigating the bullet found in Africa. She meets with General Swanwick, who is now Secretary of Defense, in private. He explains the African incident was a setup by Lex Luthor, and the bullet is of their own design. Senator Finch now calls on Superman to come to Capitol Hill. The African witness speaks to Senator Finch after seeing the Russian at her house. She admits to lying at the first hearing. Clark meets with his mother, who gives him advice. 
She says, be their hero, be their angel, be their monument, or be none of it. You don't owe this world a thing. You never did. I know some people kind of take issue with that, where basically, like, people are telling, you know, Superman, fucking give up. Why not? But <laughs> it's supposed to be that, like, he's got all these outside influences, I think. Right. You know and, what I mean? like, this is just his parents being like, hey, this this is what's best for you. Supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Because... You know, Superman feels this weight on his shoulders. Like he has to constantly be doing the right thing. He has to save everyone that he can. How can he not use his powers for good? Yeah. You know, it's what he's wanted to do his whole life, and his dad wouldn't let him. Right. But his mom's basically telling him, like, do whatever you think is right. Like, be their hero if you want. But if you don't want don't, to, like, you don't have to. You don't owe these people anything. Don't feel bad, basically. Yeah. Which we all know that's not who he is. But, you know, it's just, it's his mom giving her son you know advice yeah i like it no i i'm cool with it too it's better than uh in uh man of steel with uh pa kent just being like hey don't fucking do anything at all ever (laughs) yeah well and the point of that movie was that you know he was wrong or was he right what was you know what i'm saying like he was kind of wrong i think he was wrong but maybe he was right at the time maybe superman needed to clark needed to grow into that role you know, and learn to do it right. Maybe he was right in the sense of, like, you're not ready for this right, yet. exactly. But, like... That might not be what he meant. <laughs> but also, like, hey, don't fucking save me, son. I'll die in this tornado to save the dog. And I know you can save me, but don't save, fucking do save it. Save a secret, though. It was unnecessary. But at the same time, we're now seeing the ramifications of Superman's existence. Right. Like, he was kind of right. In a, in a way... Well, that was a good debate. <laughs> but also, like, who fucking cares? He's yeah. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Senator Finch learns that Lex Luthor was behind the incident in Africa moments before her hearing. She's approached by Lex at the Capitol. He says, do you know the biggest lie, Senator? It's that power can be innocent. Meanwhile, Bruce watches the hearing on TV. He sees that Wally, his injured employee, is testifying. He asks why Wally hasn't been receiving their relief checks. An assistant shows Bruce that Wally had been returning his checks with spiteful writing on them. Bruce watches in horror as Superman arrives to the Capitol building. I think there's a lot of really good suspense building to this moment. Yes. This is almost like the climax of the movie. And I know we're only halfway through. Yeah. And I I really, really, really like that. Um, But here's the thing. In the theatrical version, all of the suspense is lost. Yeah. You're just they, you're just confused and scenes are jumping around and you're like what what they, is this hearing? They cut the African lady all together. Not all together. Not all together. Very but beginning and that's it. They cut off the fact that she had been lying and that they cut out Senator Finch even like everything to let fi- you know finding that out that she knows that it's Lex. Mm-hmm. So that informs that scene so much better because when she finds out, she has to go to the hearing. It's moments before, and Lex is there waiting for her. She's so scared. She's actually scared of what he is capable of because now she knows this guy's a fucking murderer. This he, guy's been behind everything. Yeah, exactly. The scene's very intense. I really appreciate the buildup, the and, slow buildup. And the this, realization yeah. that Bruce is having as he's looking at the checks with all the writing on it. Yeah. Because, again, Bruce is trying to do the right thing, too. He's, he's trying to, you know, provide relief to all these victims. And, you know, Wally is kind of unhinged at this point. And yeah. Bruce is probably thinking, like, is this my fault? Like, could we have helped this man? And Wally had actually been arrested earlier for defacing a Superman yeah. statue, which 
brings some confusion to some stuff that happens a little bit later, but, you know, we'll get there. Superman enters the hall and is welcomed by Senator Finch. She is quickly distracted by a mason jar filled with a yellow liquid on her desk that is labeled Granny's Peach Tea. She recalls the analogy she made to Lex earlier and looks at his empty seat. The wheelchair gifted to Wally explodes. The explosion engulfs the room, killing everyone present, but not harming Superman, realizing the trap he walked into. As first responders care for injured and cover the dead, Superman does what he can to help. He sees Lois calling for him and flies away. I think they maybe could have done a little bit more with Superman's initial reaction, because he's just immediately kind of like sad that like this just happened. You right. know, everyone's dying around him. Um, we do see him like bringing someone out of the building. One little moment that I actually thought was kind of like a good little moment that they did was um, when Superman brought like the injured person down, the EMT goes up to him. The EMT actually asked Superman to step back. He's like, hey, I need some space to work here. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was cut out too. But I like that a lot because it's it, on the one hand, yeah, Superman is trying to help, but he's of no help anymore. There's nothing he, else he can he, do. He did what he could and he's that's act- it. Yeah. He's actually kind of in the way now. Yeah, and like it, the EMT is literally like, move. And he looks really annoyed with him. He's like, yeah, like, all these people are dead because of you, basically. <laughs> and that's what, that's what that was like his plan, right? That like, right. this basically gets blamed on him. Even if it's actually blamed on Wally, a lot of people later on start to wonder if Superman was a co-conspirator. That's the part that I don't get because Wally was literally on the news arrested for defacing a Superman statue. You know how conspiracies work, though? Like, you know... <laughs> Everything in his home points towards, like, him not liking Superman. But even if, like, Superman's not a co-conspirator of this whole thing, the fact that it happened can still be blamed on Superman. They were at this hearing because of him. Right. At LexCorp, Lex arrives to a crime scene. Bullet casings on the ground, surveillance footage captures a glimpse of Batman, and a battering is in the place where Kryptonite once was. Clark meets Lois at her balcony in D.C. He admits to her that Superman was never real. Just a dream of a farmer from Kansas. Lois tells him that he's more than a dream. He's what gives many people hope. Superman flies off. I, look, I'm okay with Superman having this kind of like crisis of faith. Right. Uh, I think it, it does kind of like inform his character and it makes his character interesting if he doesn't have it. Because Superman, I think, would otherwise be kind of boring. Yeah, you don't want someone that's... What's the male equivalent of a Mary Sue? Oh, I don't. Superman. <laughs> yeah, Superman. Um, I just, you know, we'll get to it. I just wish they had kind of brought him up a little bit better, but they were also partially saving that for the third movie. So I guess we'll see what the intention was. Lex goes into the spaceship and brings Zod's corpse to what was left of the Genesis chamber. He overwrites ethical protocols and adds his own blood to the chamber. Batman trains while creating weapons from the kryptonite he stole from Luther. Meanwhile, he finds files in Luther's drive containing information on metahumans. Diana being one of them. Okay, so... <laughs> this is a very good scene. It's just... In the wrong place in the movie. Right. They do it twice because he finds it here. And here's the thing. Like, I think it ruins the flow of this movie so well because they're supposed to be... Like, the new status quo that the plot just set is that uh, Superman is responsible directly or indirectly for this bombing at the Capitol. Too soon, right? right. Uh, <laughs> so that should build suspense for their inevitable showdown that we know is coming. And this just kind of like slows it down. 
Yeah. It makes it less meaningful, I think, because it kind of breaks that momentum. And this isn't even the full scene. This is just him finding the files and finding Wonder Woman's picture. Yeah. And we do see the full scene later, which could have been a part of this scene. Okay, so here's the thing. The, both of those scenes are put in the worst places because they <laughs> they both are put as momentum is supposed to build towards a big action set piece. Right, and instead they just feel like speed bumps. Yeah, it should have been maybe earlier in the movie when it's when the when the suspense isn't trying to build anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, because it's one of those things. I'm glad those scenes are in this movie. I wish they were somewhere else. But I'll admit, I don't know where in the movie I would put these. Because they are, like, as good as they are as scenes, they are a little bit out of place. Maybe have this scene right after he gets the drive in the first place. Yeah, or maybe, you know what, though? If it wasn't through email, it would it would flow better. If it was, If they were together in person and they were talking about this in person and then they look onto a computer yeah. and they have a short conversation about it, that w- flows a lot better. Then you literally watching another character read an email. Also, the or, way he types the email is so like dramatic. It's because she scroll. Well, she no, she's scrolling down dramatic is what is happening. Well, it's like she's scrolling. Bruce wrote like one sentence per line, but he obviously hit enter like five times before he typed the next line. <laughs> Again, that should have they should have just met in person for that scene. I think, but anyway, it would have been better in person. Yes, Lois visits Wally's apartment. And realizes that he had just bought groceries, implying he wasn't planning on dying and could not be a suicide bomber. Her lab contact tells her that the bomb was hidden in a lead-lined chamber within his wheelchair, so that Superman could not see it. That was cut from the theatrical version. That was cut too. And again, it's a lot of people, I remember when the movie came out, people were like, well, why didn't Superman stop the bomb? And what... Well, people in the movie were saying that too. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he goes... Well, he thought this was before he he tells Lois, I didn't stop it because I wasn't looking for it. Like I didn't, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't alert. He, 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 didn't, I was think, distracted, he didn't think about, which is good because it just gives him more self doubt. Right, it informs his kind but of like character arc that we he's find doing. out here that he literally wouldn't have been able he, to see it. Right, he couldn't see it. He was outsmarted. Yeah, yeah. Clark travels to a mountain peak to reflect. He hallucinates speaking to his father, Jonathan Kent. Pa Kent recalls a story of when he saved their farm from a flood. His grandmother baked him a cake. As he ate his hero cake, the flood destroyed a neighbor's farm and killed their horses. He couldn't sleep without hearing the horses crying until meeting his mother. Bruce visits the Byrne Mansion. Alfred tries one last time to talk Bruce out of fighting Superman. Bruce is convinced that this is what he's destined to do. His family were hunters. So these, I think these two scenes go really well next to each other. Because it's both of them kind of realizing what's... I don't know, like, what's what's their purpose, like, according to their family? You know, like, what right. is their kind of, like, destiny? You know what I mean? And yeah. for Superman, he goes, it's not super clear, but he goes to this mountain peak where I guess, like, people, like, people tell him, like, you can't go up there. And he's just like, I'm fucking Superman. He just keeps gonna, going, and then they walk. tell each other, it's like, oh, that guy clearly is ready to die. Yeah. But I guess in the cold, he can elus- he can talk to his dead father this or whatever. like, him, like, visiting his fortress of solitude, basically? Maybe he doesn't have one in this because uh, he sort of had one in Man of Steel. I don't know if you remember that like crashed ship. Yeah, then they fly it to Metropolis, so it's no longer in right. the like in the ice or whatever. But this served like kind of that purpose sure. of him. Yeah. Like I need to go somewhere, be alone, and reflect get my yeah. shit together. Yeah, I really like Kevin Costner. I liked him in the last movie. I like him here. 
And I like the story. I don't remember if this was in the theatrical cut or not. I don't remember. Either. I don't think it was. I think they cut it. Like, they cut so much Superman stuff in this very Superman-centric movie. But I think the story serves a, like an important like example of this movie's theme is that Superman, all of his actions are going to have consequences. He can't get away from that. He can't be in two places at once. He can't just save everybody. He can't make the world perfect. Sometimes he's going to have to make decisions and live with those ramifications, right? Yeah. The horse thing, I was saying, whenever there's death in this movie, there's a horse. They showed a like a mounted police officer at Washington, D.C. after the Capitol bombing. And then in this one, they, they mention horses. Yeah. Uh, later on, we see one uh, another horse. And so the horses are a symbol of death in these movies and maybe also a symbol of like Superman's consequences that there's going to be death. Like he can't possibly stop at all. Um, and he just has to learn how to, how to live with it. What I kind of am iffy about is he's like, Oh, I it got better. Once I met your mother, like is having your mother or having like a wife, a loved one, <laughs> like that's the solution. <laughs> is it like, I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's the solution. You it know? might be like, you know, he found someone that makes him happy, you know, someone that can, yeah, that he can confide in. Meanwhile, Batman is again against like the all the best advice from Alfred is is saying like, no, like I'm we were hunters before we were like billionaires, like the Wayne family, like back like hundreds of years ago. Like I am Batman, <laughs> and this is the kind of Batman I am. You can't change that. And so it's like the fourth time they have this kind of like back and forth. Yeah. Again, it's really well done. And then Alfred uh, has a drink. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Batman, covered in robotic armor, lights his bat signal to entice Superman. Lois is kidnapped and brought to Lex on his tower's helipad. He drops her off the tower to bring Superman there. Superman saves her as planned and goes to see Lex. There, Lex threatens him with pictures of his mother, Martha Kent. He explains his hate for Superman is based on his belief that there is no almighty, powerful, good God. There cannot be if his father was allowed to abuse him. Lex is holding his mother ransom. Superman has one hour to fight Batman to the death. He goes to Lois mortified by his predicament to either have to convince Batman to help him or kill him. He solemnly says to her, no one stays good. Again, they're really driving this point (laughs) that like... Yeah, at this point, both of them are saying it now. Yeah, that these are both... Right. They're kind of these two broken characters. And I think that right there is why people don't like this movie is that... They took these two characters and they're just dragging them through the mud. This whole movie is made to like bring them to like their lowest point. I, for one, think it's interesting. Like I, I like the overall kind of themes here. I like that they're doing this with these characters. I do too. I think they did it a little too soon though, because we remember before this, we literally had one movie, Man of Steel. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and I mean, we'll talk about it. But they're they're also trying to play catch up. With Marvel here, so which was another mistake I feel like WB made. Yeah, just worry worry about yourself and build it up. Yeah, worry worry about you. Do you, boo? Diana opens her email to find one from Bruce Wayne. We were saying this. Yeah, here here's where we break up the action again. Yeah, exactly. It reveals that he's learned her identity as a hero from a century ago. He attaches Lex's other findings: metahumans, including the Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg's creation from a mother box. Okay, like you were saying, this is all fine. It's fine. It's just it's in the worst possible place. This because is, yeah, it we're about to hit like the climax of the movie, like yeah. the actual climax of the movie. Right. And then this scene happens. A lot of this 
you could tell is done for like world building, which is one of the things that like Iron Man two suffered from. I would say. Yeah, you could right. Because it, it, it breaks up the pacing, but it is like important information that needs to be there. Especially, I guess, in the case of this movie where they're trying to catch up to Marvel. Yeah. And they're trying to do it in two movies instead of, like, eight. So Yeah, I think Marvel was at six movies. At, no, there were more, actually. Twenty yeah. seven. They were, like, eight, 12 or something. This is around in. the time, like... They're already well into phase two at this point, yeah. Yeah, again, I, like, Superman had just been told, you have to go fight Batman, I'm gonna kill your mom. But let's take this commercial break to look at Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg. Yeah. It really breaks the momentum. Superman flies to Batman and tries to reason with him. Batman's booby traps shoot bullets and sound waves at Superman. Angered, Superman knocks him around a bit. <laughs> Batman hits him with a kryptonite canister. Now weakened by his first exposure to kryptonite, he's no match for Batman hand-to-hand. Batman punches Superman until the effect wears off. Superman gets the better of Batman until he's hit with another canister. Weakened again, Batman hits him with a sink and drags him to the location of his kryptonite spear. He says, You were never a god. You were never even a man. Inches from death, Superman utters, You're letting them kill Martha. Find him. Save Martha. Flashbacks confirm Bruce's mother's name was also Martha. He's haunted by memories of his parents' death. Batman angrily asks, Why did you say that name? Until Lois interrupts his questioning, It's his mother's name. So I've got a few thoughts about this sequence. <laughs> oh, you have thoughts about Martha? No way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, all right. Let's start at the beginning of this where um, Superman doesn't really try that hard to explain things to Bruce. He tries talking to him like twice. And then it's like he just loses his temper and starts beating the shit out of him. I mean, you kind of get it too, but yeah. The time is of the essence. But see, okay. That's what I thought in the theatrical cut because they cut out all the reasoning why Superman would dislike Batman. None of that is in that cut of the movie. Right. So at this point, if there was nothing else going on, Superman would totally fight Batman. He wants to fight him deep down. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like him. Uh, and they almost fought earlier. And I think the the sound wave thing was smart because he immediately starts trying to talk and Batman's like, I'm going to shoot you with really loud guns and I'm going to hit you with sound waves and I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, and then I piss you off. Right. What would have made sense, though, is, you know, while you're kind of like whooping his ass, like talk to him a little bit and be like, hey, I don't want to kill you, but like you're kind of making me do this. right. Like try to explain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Especially sure. like this version of Superman. It seems like something he'd do. Yeah. Yeah, and I like then, the fight though. I don't know. I'm the, go on. No, the fight's good. The fight's, fight's really good. good. But then we get to the part with uh, Martha. How do you feel about? I, I don't look. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Either. I like it in theme. I I don't like it in the way that they did oh, it. The theme's fantastic, but like, why did Superman just say like, uh, save Martha? Well, it doesn't make sense it for kinda, him. To say okay, that. okay, but it kind of does. I just don't like it. But it makes sense. I just don't like it because Batman doesn't know who his mom is. He said, save my mother. doesn't work. I think he was trying to, like, say, save Martha Kent. Like, find Martha Kent. Because he thinks like he's he going to... he was just trying to be specific? Yes, because these are his dying words. But he also has Batman's foot against his throat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's kryptonite up to his face. So... 
they wrote that in such a way that it makes plausible sense. It's just not good. Like it's weak. And I and I like that this is the thing that is going to bring them together because Batman is convinced Superman is not a real person. He's not human. He's an alien and he takes no qualms in killing this guy right now because he is a threat to mankind. Right. He doesn't see him as a real person. And in this one moment, again, the movie set this up because I said it. What does Batman's main thing? He prevents people kids from losing his parents he doesn't want what happened to him to happen to other people and it's about to happen to superman right when he learns and that it would be his fault exactly and so the name thing was weird and i feel like the writers of this movie they just found this tidbit this random hey, piece of trivia names are martha. Yeah, that by complete coincidence both their parents names are martha both their mothers so and they're like oh here it is here's a thing that's gonna trick Batman into having like this episode and realize he's just like me at the end of the day. He's got a mom. He has parents and lucky for him. They're still alive or right. at least Martha's. So I, I like it, but I hate how they did it because no, it's, it makes you go what? <laughs> like it's a great thematic thing. It's a very weak moment in how it happened. Yeah. And look, I couldn't tell you how to do it better. I've thought about this for years. Right. If it were up to me, I don't know how I would bring them together. I don't know what would be the thing to make Batman realize I need to do something. Right. He's just like me. He's a man and I can I can save his mother right now. I don't I don't know. Maybe not put Mar- his mom in that situation, maybe do something different. I I couldn't tell you. Writing movies is hard. <laughs> yeah, no. It it is and you know, I'm I'm sure they did what they could. This is what they came up with. But I don't like it. I don't like it either. (laughs) I remember seeing this in theaters, obviously with a lot less context and loathing it. Yeah. (laughs) But like now watching it with a bit more context behind it, I'm like, I still don't like it, but I'm not angry about it. Right. Yeah. You can look. Not every movie is perfect. That's the thing. Movies don't have to be perfect. But the things that are wrong cannot be glaring issues that ruin the entire right. film no this isn't what <laughs> where it starts falling apart for me that's gonna come a little bit later okay and i think you <laughs> you saw when we were watching the movie like when i started oh, that's, like okay yeah but i don't think that's a big deal it's i, I didn't think it was a big deal it gets all. real stupid <laughs> but we'll get there batman reconciles his feelings and comes to the realization that superman has a real human mother who is in danger he promises superman martha won't die tonight and goes to find martha he flies to the whereabouts of the Russian at a warehouse and attacks his gang. Using a barrage of Batman weapons, he subdues a dozen men before re- reaching the Russian holding Martha with a flamethrower. He threatens to kill her, and Batman replies, I believe you, before igniting his flamethrower and escaping with Martha Kent. I lied, this is the best scene in the whole movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, when he gets to be no, Batman. Oh, the warehouse scene, yeah. It's five minutes, or however long it is, of Anything you could ever want out of a Batman movie just crammed in five minutes. It's unfortunate that this is the only, like, almost the only time we get to see him just kicking ass as Batman, like, in a traditional type of way. Yeah. Because this scene's very uh, reminiscent of a, if any of you have played the Arkham games. It's very Arkham. It has Arkham weapons in it. Yeah. It's got the gun, uh, the disruptor. Yep. Um, in Arkham, you can pull a, a disruptor and you can use it on bad guys' guns so that the guns like lock up and don't work. Yep. 
And as soon as he enters, he throws his thing. It locks onto everyone's guns, and then they can't use the and guns. And he starts beating the shit out of them. And he beats the shit out of them while they're all like, huh? <laughs> it's it's so yeah. And it's very, like, free-flowy. Like, he's going punching one person and going to the other. and then Yeah, at one point, he's surrounded by four guys, and he's fighting all of them simultaneously. The camera stays perfectly still. Yeah. This is It's not bad action cutting like no. we've talked about before. And he's actually fighting all of them with each of his hands doing independent yeah. things. And they're all actually trying to hit him at the same time. Yeah. It's not that stupid shit that a lot of movies do and still do where they, like, wait their turn to attack. Yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're all trying their best, <laughs> and it's believable. The choreography in this scene is so good that it's perfectly believable that... A man who's just this big and skilled can take all these guys on, right? Yeah. The scene is perfect, honestly, and it makes me want that Batman movie that we're not getting anymore so, so (laughs) bad. And that movie might be good, whatever. But it's, look, it's not this that was teased just so epically, right? The way he saves Martha is a bit of an unnecessary risk, though, where he just kind of blows up the flamethrower yeah. right next to her. It looked like he knew what he was doing, and people complain <laughs> about that because, like, another, hey, he just killed someone else. But, like, we've seen what the Russian has done. Like, this guy, I don't think, uh, I don't this, think he has a name. <laughs> He's just, just like the uh, Russian. No, throughout this movie, like, if someone's about to die, he shows up. Yeah. And he's, he's more than likely everybody. responsible for their death. God, but I love the Batwing. I love that Alfred is controlling it from the Batcave. I love the part where he's like, I don't deserve you, Alfred. And he's like, he just goes, no, sir, you don't. <laughs> and then he takes a swig of whiskey. <laughs> oh, oh man, it's so... Alfred's so great good. in this movie. If I could just watch that scene on repeat, I would, honestly. <laughs> Superman confronts Lex Luthor in the Genesis Chamber. His monster Doomsday emerges. Superman fights him, but attacks the Doomsday only make him stronger. The president calls Secretary Swanwick to nuke the pair in space. Doomsday survives and lands back to Metropolis while an injured Superman recharges in space. Batman realizes that the spear can kill Doomsday and gets him to follow him. Cornered and about to be fried, Wonder Woman saves Batman. Superman arrives and asks, is she with you? Batman replies, I thought she was with you. Wonder Woman and Superman fight Doomsday and Superman hears Lois drowning. He saves her and recovers the spear, realizing what he has to do. He says to Lois, I love you. This is my world. You are my world. As Wonder Woman lassos Doomsday steady, Batman weakens him with a kryptonite smoked canister so Superman can attack. Superman stabs him with the spear as Doomsday stabs him back with a spiked arm. The two die. So that's kind of the, the rest of the fight. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Yeah. Here. There's a lot of really fucking stupid stuff going okay, on here so, too. All right, so say you're referring to the amount of times that the, there's the a movie throwaway goes line. out of the way to tell you there's no civilians here, which I feel like was kind of like a little bit meta of in a way I didn't like cuz there was a lot of complaints about Man of Steel with the collateral damage and stuff. Yeah. What this movie did what was good at the beginning of the movie was show the consequences of that. Yeah. Now, it seems like they're just trying to make it so there's no consequences at all because they say, all right, first of all, downtown Metropolis is empty at night. But wouldn't it be counterproductive, like you said, if they just did it all over again? If the whole movie is trying to deal with those consequences, then they're just like, hey, here's another 9-11 scale event. The movie could have had our heroes trying to move the fight away from it. They did. And They they did. But... You didn't have to be like, all right, downtown Metropolis. Oh, yeah, no one's there at night. Is there no fucking nightlife in the city? 
stupid. <laughs> All right. When they a, drop okay, down. A lot of downtowns. Downtown New York City is quieter than you think at night because it's all business. Okay. But nobody? <laughs> no, no, sure. Yeah, no, no, there are still people there probably. But I think, yeah, they should have worded it differently. They should have evacuated. And um, and then um, yeah. when they dropped it back down to space onto the island, that island's uninhabited. Yeah. They Again, they... <laughs> Could have made me. I don't know. They could have done it a Thank different way. Thank God there was think, no okay. civilians sure. anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't ruin anything for me. You're the one that was like chuckling. It was. It was starting to get annoying. And then um, when they take the fight back over to Gotham, they blow up an entire fucking port. And then Wonder Woman looks at Batman. Batman goes, "Don't worry, that port's abandoned." <laughs> mm. All right. As far as that goes, yeah, that was annoying to me. But we also have Lois throwing the kryptonite spear down into the water and then oh, running stupid. back to get it. And then she's like, oh, fuck. I think we need that. <laughs> yeah, you could have cut that out. Could have just cut it out all the way. He could have just gone back and it's still in the same place where they left it. That would have been, uh, yeah, that that been dumb. better. <laughs> um, but the good stuff in this fight scene, all of the Wonder Woman fighting Doomsday... That's awesome. That was cool. Again, this is the first time we see Wonder Woman in action, and it I think it holds up to any of her other yeah. appearances. And we hear her theme start playing when she saves Batman. And yeah. It's great. I like the I thought she was with you line. I think that's um this is not like it was a, a little movie with, cheesy. I like it because you know what? This isn't a movie with straightforward jokes. It's not like, no. like a Marvel movie would. Right. It's a movie that's it'd be awkward to put that kind of joke in a movie like this. So the humor has to be more subdued. And yeah. there are really funny parts of this movie. No, as cheesy as it was, it did seem like organic dialogue between yeah. them. I believe it because Batman's doing all this research on Wonder Woman and he's probably like, this is another Kryptonian. I caught her, you know, even though he's flirting with her. <laughs> right? All right. But I guess, you know, when you're Gal Gadot and you're that pretty, like... Yeah, it's like, come on, Bruce, do you, are you scared of the aliens or not? Yeah, or do you want to fuck them? Which is it? <laughs> it's, it's one or the other, man. <laughs> the action in this is good. Oh, another stupid thing, though. Let's send a nuke at Doomsday and Superman while they're in the sky and just blow it up in the air. That won't have any consequences. Well, and in this movie, it doesn't. They... They took away all the consequences of this battle, except for, obviously, Superman dying. I think that's kind of like, there's, yeah, I think that's why. Like, because that is the consequence that they I, were building up towards. But And then, I guess another thing is, come on, it's Superman's second movie and you're already doing the death of Superman? Yeah, I'll agree with you there. Again, that, I think that is a product of trying to catch up with Marvel. And that's, I guess, a lot of the issues I do have with this movie are stemming from that. It's like... We're still getting to know these characters, and you're already, like, dragging them through the mud. You're already killing them. Yeah. Let us get to know them a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for, no, for sure. I completely agree with that. Uh, I thought this was a little bit too soon, too, but it's one of those things where, like, all right, they decide they're going to do this, so how's the execution? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I felt for Superman dying, but most of the audience wouldn't. No, because, because they don't. They don't know this Superman. Exactly. Like when, and I realize it's it's a completely different scenario, but when Iron Man dies in Endgame, spoiler alert, <laughs> this movie If you're one old, of the yeah. two people that hasn't seen it. Uh, anyway, when Iron Man dies in that movie, he's had like 11 appearances. He's yep. a beloved character and it hits. It hits. It hits hard. 
if you killed Iron Man in Iron Man 2... No one would really care no that one much. Give, people wouldn't remember that character at all today, even if they did like bring him back. Yeah. So I see what they're doing. I see that they're trying to build a three-movie arc for this character. They jumped the gun on it. But it's a little... Yeah, it's a little too soon. I, compl- I, I completely agree with that. I also think... The point where he says to Lois, I love you, this is my world, you are my world, is not enough. I think that line is supposed to convey that ba- that Superman is realizing what his purpose is. Right. You know, the whole movie he's wondering, he's been questioning it, and now he knows what it is. He has to be the savior. There's no question anymore. Like, there was doubt in his mind before, but now there isn't. That's not clear at all. I think that's what this line was supposed to accomplish. Right. He needed to say something different. He needed to say a little bit more. And he needed to make it a little bit less about, I love you personally. Yeah, because it made it seem like his purpose is to protect Lois. Exactly. Which this movie also kind of makes you seem like that. Because that's he what has Superman like, is, too. Right, he has like a Lois sense. He could be like in another yeah. city and she's drowning. And he's like, oh, I know exactly where she's at. Let me yeah. go save her. It's, it's weird. But, I mean, any iteration. Superman. It's Superman and Lois. It Superman is. Superman and Lois. He's and, always saving her. And it's something that I've never liked. Yeah, sure. But, but I mean, hey, it, they're sticking to the roots here on that, at least. I Again, he just needed to say something slightly different. Yeah. Because I, I see what they're doing. This is, an, this is not an incomplete character. This is not a misrepresentation of this character. I think... I think they know what they were doing with him. They didn't make it super clear and it didn't translate to the viewers yeah. because it's something that I didn't really catch until I saw it a second, third time. And I'm like, Oh, this is his redemption moment right here. But I missed it the first time. Yeah. You know, Lex Luthor is arrested while communicating with Steppenwolf. A funeral is held in Kent farm while another one is being held in Washington for Superman. Lois opens a package Clark had sent with an engagement ring. Martha Kent explains that he wanted to send the ring over as a surprise. At the funeral, it's revealed that all costs had been paid for by an anonymous donor. As the camera pans out, we see Bruce Wayne watching the proceedings from afar. Diana joins him. Bruce says to her, men are still good. We fight. We kill. We betray one another. But we can rebuild. We can do better. We will. We have to. And asks Diana to help him seek out others like him, the metahumans, to fight against something coming. So, again, this is another one where Batman is basically telling her that he's no longer under this, like, in this path. Yeah. yeah it, it was Superman's sacrifice that kind of shook him out of it. And it's not unclear, but you have to be listening. You know what I mean? The movie's right. not super overt about these things. And it's not really in your face enough about how Batman has also overcome this arc. <laughs> you know, during the funeral, they, they show a monument for Superman uh, where the old one was. But this time it just says, if you seek his monument, look around you. And that's not, that's a line I really like because on the one hand, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like that's something they would write on a thing. No, it seems like something Zack Snyder would write. Exactly. <laughs> but I do like the line because basically he's saying like, hey, like, Instead of worshiping this this statue of Superman, if you're looking for this monument for Superman, look around you. He saved us all. We're alive because of him, basically. Yeah. Like, the city's here this time. <laughs> Nobody was on the island, Birdo. <laughs> Nobody died. <laughs> Thank God there was no civilians anywhere in Doomsday's path. Yeah. 
<laughs> we do also have that scene with Lex intercut with this. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, intercut with this. Um, it should have been a post credits. I didn't write a thing for it, but he, uh, Batman visits Lex Luthor in jail. They shaved his head, and I love that the guards are in on it. Like they, you know, they've probably been letting Batman in all the time. He probably pays them off. Yeah. After 20 years of being Batman, I'm sure he has quite a bit of freedom in he, Gotham. Yeah, he has connections or whatever. Yeah. Lights flick or whatever, and he just kind of appears out of nowhere, just brooding over Jesse Eisenberg. Just so, Again, such a great kind of depiction of Batman. And he tells him that he's going to move him to Arkham Asylum. Which he says something kind of fucked up here where he's like, you know, it's like we have mental institutions that'll like humanely try to like make you yeah. <laughs> rehabilitate and stuff. I'm not sending you there. I'm sending you to Arkham Asylum. So nope. it's like so you know Arkham Asylum is like an inhumane shitty place? Pretty much, yeah, I guess. And and you're like, yo, I got friends there, I'm gonna send you there. Like it's kind of fucked up, Bruce. Yeah. I mean, he's a really bad guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess Lex had some sort of uh vision of the future as well. When he was talking to Steppenwolf here? I don't know if it was a vision. I think Steppenwolf straight up told him. Oh, okay. But he, yeah, basically Batman, you know, does his Batman. He just disappears. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg is yelling at him like... The bell's been rung. The bell's been rung. And the bells cannot be unrung. Yeah. Um, That's also a good line, I think. And then he, like, you know, starts kind of going a little crazy in himself. Yeah. Again, but he's not... He shouldn't be in an insane character. No. You know what I mean? Maybe after this point make him insane. Yeah. Eh. Because he's I been, think, like, exposed to, like, knowledge beyond his comprehension, you know. I think they're trying to make him more sane <laughs> after this, actually. I think that was the plan. Doesn't but. make sense, but... Yeah. So that's the movie. So what I was talking about the horses is that they're a symbol of death and that they're mentioned four times in this. Uh, we see three horses, and then there's the story about the horses. And so I think the clever Easter egg here is that there are f- four horsemen of the apocalypse... Like in like in the Bible, <laughs> there are four horsemen of the apocalypse. I think um, it's in the Book of Revelation. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. and then it's a, I think it's a reference that like you see four horses, four horsemen. Apocalypse is coming. Yeah, but apocalypse is the planet where Darkseid lives. That's clever. I think it's a nice little Easter egg. Yeah. yeah, I didn't catch it until just now. We should also probably check and make sure that's actually in the Bible. <laughs> We can cut this out if it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, is that like a weird story that's just no? I'm it's pretty, like a Dante's I'm Inferno pretty situation. Sure, it was in the Book of Revelation uh-huh. though. Anyway, so overall, like, like you were saying, and I wanted to get get to this is like, did this movie need to have Doomsday? Did it need to have the? Death I was going to ask you that. Like, and I was going to ask you about like the Doomsday part. I can't tell honestly because there are things about the Doomsday thing that I like, and there are things that I hate. A lot of people hate Doomsday in this movie because they say he doesn't look like Doomsday. But the thing is, is because you're not paying attention by the end because he starts growing his spikes. Yeah. By the end, he pretty much does look like Doomsday. At the beginning, when he's just like a weird naked blob man. All right. Yeah. That, yeah. that was weird. But the kinda more. Kind of like Abomination from the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yes. But the more he gets attacked, the more like rocky spikes grow out of his arms yeah. and his back, which is the exact look of Doomsday. Uh, without, like, the beard, I guess. Yeah. The beard is silly, I think. The beard was dumb. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I think the design is fine towards, again, towards the end, uh, when he starts growing all his spiky things. And I like the things that the Doomsday fight does. I like the fight. I like that we have that Trinity shot of Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. I like seeing Wonder Woman in action. I like the three of them fighting together. 
the scene of Doomsday chasing Batman, there's a lot of good shots in there. But did it need to be in this movie? I, I don't. I don't think not. so. I think the whole death of Superman and Doomsday that should have been its own movie. It should, should have been, have been a Man of Steel. Man of Steel too. too. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I think also maybe having this Doomsday fight in this movie weakens the conflict between Batman and Superman. It does because it's resolved in like a second. Out of necessity, because they're like, well, we got to get to the big bad. Right. Now, I get when movies do stuff like this, it's going to be uh, a third party that brings them together. They have to go fight like a common enemy. But that maybe that common enemy should have just been Lex Luthor. Maybe they had to go find a way to, yeah. to nail him together. And even something as like ridiculous and comic booky as, you know, having him build, you know, that suit that he's seen in a oh, lot. Like the, his like mech suit. His like mech suit. Maybe have that equipped with like kryptonite weapons. That yeah, that could have served may, the same purpose. Maybe you could have done. I don't know. Exactly. There could have been something else. And then that could have led into the next movie being Apocalypse. And then after that, you can start doing that Justice League plot. Yeah. No, no, for sure. I would have definitely have slowed down the progression yeah. of these films overall story i think again they just wanted to get to justice league because avengers was the biggest thing in the world you know and dc is sitting on the same exact thing arguably better they just don't know how to yeah do it because the justice league is much more famous than the avengers Mm -hmm. much more famous these characters are much bigger characters and i think they're just like now quick (laughs) you have 18 months to make this movie or the next movie or whatever and then we also see that like the solo movies that were made after this one were much better received than this movie was. As uh, as yeah. much as I don't like the Aquaman movie, that was a well received movie. People liked it. Made a lot of money. People um, liked it. Uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder was Woman. The huge. first one, yeah, for sure. I like I said. I think this movie is made for a very specific. I wouldn't even say a group of people, I mean like a person. And I think it's Zack Snyder. And I, I praise Zack Snyder for being the kind of filmmaker that doesn't answer to anybody. He just oh, makes yeah. what he thinks would be good. It was a cool story. All, yeah. All filmmakers should be that way. Do what you think is going to be good and people will either see it or, or they won't see it. But the people that like it are going to love it. And that's the thing about this movie. It was so polarizing. I've never heard, up until maybe, I guess, Last Jedi, um, such polarizing <laughs> Great opinions. Great movie, by the way. Sure. sure. <laughs> not not the time. But people either love this movie or they hate it. People say it's a work of genius. It's art. Other people say it's complete nonsense. There's not that much in the middle. And, and that's a pro- different problem I have with people in general. There's always stuff in the middle and you should maybe figure it out. Yeah. You know, like it's There's not There's always all... a middle ground. Exactly. But... I think this movie is very smart in many ways. I think there are parts of this movie that are absolute genius. Just perfect. And I, I think those mo- moments are just kind of brought down by some big glaring issues. I, I told you at the beginning, I was like, there are two or three things you fix in this movie, and it could be really good. If Lex Luthor were played by a different person. Like, <laughs> right there. That's a big problem I have with this film. If you were more overt and less, like... If there was more like regular text and less subtext about super about Superman's arc, about Batman's arc, I think people would have understood it a little bit more because yeah. it's very easy to miss. It's a blink if you miss it line or two. Not even then. You have to be reading into it a little bit to really kind of get what they're yeah, trying to tell you. Even just hearing the line isn't going to be it's enough. It's not enough. Yeah, they need to just say it. 
You know, Batman needs to say, I don't want to kill anymore. I don't know. Superman has to say, this is what I need to do. I need to be, I need, I need to be good. I was wrong. Like I was wrong before. Here I go. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it needed to be a little bit more forthcoming in these kind of themes that it's trying to build because I, I think it's all there on paper. I think they did all the right things and, and they almost executed. I'm not even going to say the execution is that far off. I think they almost got it. But those little bits really brought it down for people. And then you can see why people would say it's overly dark. It's overly pessimistic. It does kind of feel that way. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Superman is supposed to be like the symbol of hope and optimism. And I think that works really well when you juxtapose it with, like you said it in this kind of dark reality. Yeah. Because it lets him shine. It's the contrast. Right. You know, hope doesn't mean everything's good and great and dandy. It means here's a character who, in the face of whatever, will stand up for the right thing. He's like a Captain America, right? They're kind of yeah. like thematic equivalents. And so I'm fine with pulling Superman through the mud and putting all these kind of questions on him so long as he perseveres through it. You know what I mean? And this movie pulled him through the mud, had him have like a moment of clarity and then killed him. Exactly. (laughs) He needed just some, there needed to be more payoff. And I get it. Snyder was setting up for Justice League. That movie was going to start filming after this movie was done. They were both written around the same time. That was going to be the big like the big redemption film and then it got completely taken out of his hands and we never got to see it until you know what day is it like in a couple weeks we're gonna watch it right so maybe that's when it happens like maybe he gets this glorified like like return i don't know i hope so because then we can look back at this movie and go okay it maybe it's not as bad in retrospect with how i treated superman but i think people were more like we need that now. We don't need to wait another year and a half to see maybe if we're going to get the optimistic Superman. Again, he's optimistic throughout this film up until kind of halfway through where he loses his faith. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I was just talking for a long time, so I don't know if you had oh. anything. <laughs> I mean, we were kind of going back and forth on that. Yeah. So, like I said, those things, something I really do love about Zack Snyder, we were talking about, it, just is his cinematography. The visuals in this movie... I mean, you can, they're all screensavers. You know what I'm saying? They're all like, they're all like wallpapers. I think he has such a good eye for that. Same thing with, you know, we watched 300 or Watchmen. They're visual treats. Yes. The whole way through. Production value. The costumes are just beautiful. Everything looks so good. He really likes doing Uh, montages. But they're okay, but they're well done. They are. Um, Even some of the music selection and and the music and the picks in Watchmen I love. Oh, um, the Bob Dylan song at the beginning oh my is God, amazing. So good. Yeah. The score in this movie, I think, is one of the best in like any movie. I'll <laughs> go down and say it. Like it is so so good, and yet so underappreciated because so many people don't like this film. I thought it was a little too. It was a little too bombastic for my taste. But that you did say if, that's what you liked about it. If does it not fit the film? What is like? What is the point of a score just, if not to seemed, like? Over dramatic, yeah. But this is yeah. It starts off, bum 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 bum. But yeah, I mean, this is this was supposed to be like the biggest movie ever. You know what I mean? And it and you you put that up against Hans Zimmer's other works. It's not that less bombastic. It's a little true, uh, maybe. But I'll I'll put this up against like Lion King or some of his other stuff that is is, is really good. 
actor. It's just so good. It's just, there's so much good stuff in this movie that I feel Ben falls Affleck flat. as Batman is Phenomenal. so good. Uh, Henry Cavill is still great. Still great, um, yeah. Diane Lane the, the and Kevin Costner, the parents. Uh, everybody. I, I love Lawrence Fishburne in this. I love his Perry White. It's he's, so good. He's a lot more fun in this movie than Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, his, his the, he's also got more to say in this movie. Yeah, and like. there, you know what? All those, all of the um, Daily Planet stuff is much more lighthearted in this movie than the last one. Yeah, it seems like they are like kind of the relief, relief. in this yeah, movie for sure. Which um, this movie does need some of it because it's it's a heavy film. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, I think it plays the humor very well. Yes. If there were Marvel-style jokes, if there were like Ant-Man-style jokes in this movie, It'd it would feel out work. of place. It wouldn't work at all. No, because um, the tone would be all over the place. Yeah, exactly. So we have, you know, yeah, they're just like people working at the Daily Planet being bozos. Being bozos, just bopping around, trying to... Trying to... Perry White doesn't know how to fucking run a newspaper. Yeah. There's a football scene uh, in this movie, and I think the goal was for that to set up cyborg cyborg in the yeah, next because otherwise yeah. i think he has team. no relevance yeah. otherwise because he does play football exactly he plays football and he has, does play for like uh gotham city university okay. so he would have been in that game that they were showing on tv okay um i don't know if that's how he gets injured or not because there was like a fight broke out at the end of of that scene because they ran up the score remember like metropolis ran out the score yeah. and then all the and then the team started fighting with each other and then yeah. they turned the tv off do you think the the fight was so bad that he lost his legs and arms? I don't know. And shit? Maybe maybe he shot. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what his like. Uh, yeah, because we already see like in the same movie we see that there was already video footage of like his dad. Yeah, exactly. Experimenting. Uh so maybe that doesn't line up. Might not. Yeah, that that wouldn't line up. Maybe it was the previous season or something. But I I think the reference is still there. Yeah. Yeah, but that yeah you're right you're right. See, um, I pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, you got anything else? Not really. Like, this was a dense movie, but I feel like we kind of put most of our thoughts out there while we were talking about the plot. Yeah. I think that uh, our new little format works for that, too. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, just listen back to all the, all the shit that we said earlier. Yeah. But all in all, final thoughts. We're not doing Phantom Zone because this is not a failed or forgotten comic book movie. Um, not yet, at least. I I still really like this movie. It's one of those things where I like it, and I can't... It's just like a feeling. You know what I right. mean? When you like something, it's just like a feeling. You're like, you like it, you'll see past like the faults. So, okay. like, I hate Jesse Eisenberg in this movie, but I don't let it kind of ruin, ruin the, the entire movie. And the other things are kind of smaller things, like editorial things, where it's like, that scene shouldn't have been there. You could have put it somewhere else. We talked about how at the end of the movie, there's when Batman visits Lex Luthor, that should have been a post credit scene. But DC didn't want to do post credit scenes because they didn't want to be like Marvel. So they shoved it at the end of the movie, but it breaks the continuity of Batman being in Kansas. Because they, they show him yeah. in Kansas, then they show him in Gotham, then they show him in Kansas again. Yes. At the same funeral. So again, that's an editorial thing. If you yeah. just cut that scene out and put it in a post credits then that would be better you know what i mean if you cut out the email parts and put them somewhere else in the movie maybe maybe the movie is better for it yeah. you know i don't know because flow is important in a film yeah like and you want it to flow well you want it to exactly. keep moving you don't want it to 
stop even if it's for like an important scene like find a way to work it in there a bit more organically yeah exactly but yeah as far as what i think about this movie i will say having watched the ultimate cut it does redeem the movie for me because i will say before i had no interest in ever watching this movie again that's what i wanted from you (laughs) that's all i ever wanted was for you to go hey actually that's not it's not, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. The the movie work surprisingly, the movie works a lot better when you have context behind what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say. <laughs> but I mean, um, creating plot holes like right before you release the movie isn't a good idea. Yeah. That being said, like this movie obviously still has a lot of issues. Yeah. And I can see why it's so polarizing. Oh yeah. And I do think that this would have been one of those movies where if the DCEU moved forward as planned, this would have been one that you could look back at and it would be better on a rewatch. Yes, I was thinking Because of all the seeds that get planted. Because of the context, exactly. It's like an Iron Man 2 or an Avengers 2 where at the time you're like, that wasn't that great. But now you might look at it and be like... Well, you know, at this time, and this is an important time for these characters because then we learn that they go in this direction and then all this happens and uh, this is blah, blah, blah. And it gives it context. It would have been one of those movies where in retrospect would be better, maybe, I don't know about better received, but definitely more appreciated. The thing is, too, is I've seen a lot of people don't do what we did. They don't go back and, and give the movie a shot. I heard a lot of people when The Ultimate Cut came out go, it's still the same movie and i'm like it's not you didn't you weren't paying attention because the theatrical cut has so many problems that that cut created itself that had you watched the full cut those problems would have never existed in the first place yeah so whether you don't like it still that's a different thing you may not still like the movie that's fine which is like kind of understandable actually this absolutely i can see why people wouldn't like this movie but you cannot say it's the same movie because it's not, you know. No, it's, it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Exactly. Now, that's for damn sure. Much better this time around watching it. Um, and honestly, I might watch it again. Yeah. Um. Seriously. I think also it's not too late for that retrospective to happen because we're going to get Justice League now. Like the, right. the, the true as intended Justice League that is supposed to be the actual sequel to this film we haven't seen that movie. It yeah. has been locked away up until now. So we're about to know if all that's going to come around and be better retrospectively, like retroactively. That's what I want. I don't care if it's not a masterpiece. Like that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not one of those fans mm-hmm. for this justice league. I just want a good movie. I like Epic long films. Right. If I like the characters, I'll return to the King. It, you know, I'll watch a four hour movie if I like what I'm doing there. And I wanted to tie up these loose ends that we're complaining about and just prove to us that it was always part of the plan. Yeah. So that it's okay for me if we don't get anything else in this little universe. You at least have this little trilogy. We've got this little trilogy. We can look at it and be like, you know what? That was something. It was it was weird. It's really dark. (laughs) It was kind of adult. Two of these movies are rated R now, so it's not really that much for kids. But here, here it is. Like, it's still enjoyable, and we can go back and we can watch it. That's what I want from this. Which, honestly, that might very well be the case, because there's a lot of reports coming out right now saying that WB executives want the Snyder Cut to fail. They No, no, they absolutely want it to fail. 
It's weird. Which is why They're they weird re- people. The, which is why they released the information about the Superman reboot that J.J. Abrams is working on. We talked about that with Chris, but they had they had been working on that for a while. There was a leak like a year ago mm-hmm. that they were wanting to get Michael B. Jordan to be a Superman. And so they were like, I don't okay. like that. So it's a re- no, me neither. This was before. I think this was before. Black I remember. Those I think it rumors. might have been right after Black Panther. Yeah. I think that was the reason why it didn't happen. But look, Henry um, Cavill's a perfect Superman. And he he's probably been the most underrated like character actor yeah. ever. He's we got just, the best best actor, best character and it just he never got his We just need to know. put him in a good movie. Yeah. I said it, but and I'll and I'll keep saying it. I think if if this is if it's good, if Justice League is good and it gets really cuz right now, I mean, people are still shit talking it like the same people that don't like this movie. Um, but if it's good, if it's well received and it gets, you know, downloads or whatever, it gets HBO signups. I don't think they can ignore that. I think they either have to like really like end it all. Gal Gadot, Aquaman, they're all done or something, which they're also not going to do or or do something or say, all right, let's try a Justice League 2. Let's try making this the new canon. You know what I mean? Move Even if it's not with Zack Snyder, even if they course correct slowly in a different direction. We know, by the way, I didn't tell you this. Uh, the Justice League movie ends on a cliffhanger because it was oh, always, yeah, it was always intended to be part one of three movies. So, because it ends in a cliffhanger, we might. This isn't going to be over. Like people aren't going to aren't going to let this die. If it actually fails, like, no, I'm saying like oh. if it actually like finished, like if actually like had like a logical conclusion. Then maybe people would be like, all right, cool. We got what we wanted. We got the Snyder cut. It was everything we wanted it to be. Now we can go to bed. But <laughs> it ends in a cliffhanger. So I guarantee this is not over. We might not ever see another of this kind of movie. But people will but definitely be clamoring for yes, it. Yeah. People aren't going to shut up. It's it, going to be Star Wars all over It again. might not result in anything, but... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we'll find out. So, <laughs> so that, that's been Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice... That's our two bonus episodes. We are also going to probably not skip, but we're probably going to put off doing our proper episode on on Justice League 2017, the theatrical cut. Because after watching this, we looked at each other and we were like, we're hyped now. We don't want to like, like ruin it by watching this other movie. Right. So I think what we're going to do is do Elektra, which was what we were supposed to be doing in the first place. Watch Justice League Snyder Cut. And then after we see that movie, uh, we'll do the, the theatrical cut. Are we a doing episode. a bonus episode on the Snyder Cut? Uh, if We might do a review. Okay. That might, yeah. Like we did with like Wonder, we did Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense that we, we would do a review. I don't know what that's going to look like. <laughs> this four-hour-long movie. Um, Ooh, that. Ooh. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We we'll can make it, it a two-parter. Yeah, or a six-parter, <laughs> now that we know it's in six parts. We'll review um, each chapter. Each, Yeah. Yeah, you got anything else? Nah. Uh, like I said, that's what we're going to be doing next. Thank you for our bonus listen. Thank you to that piano dude for a musical intro. Make sure you guys leave a rating or review or both. I know you can do both. And make sure you tell a friend. All of your friends. Yeah, dude. Tell them all. <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. And you can find us on Twitter at Films from PZ. You can listen to our podcast on YouTube if that's how you like listening to your podcasts. We are at Films from the fandom zone on youtube um and other than that we will see you next week or soon or tomorrow i don't know how these are going out so <laughs> also depends on when you're listening yeah 
<laughs> All right. Other than that, have good, good goodbye. Bye. <laughs>